Howard Stern. Awesome. Let's move in gay and get it on. On today's show, for the first time, Howard welcomes singer, songwriter, and four-time Grammy nominee, Charlie Puth. Charlie Puth will be performing here, and I can't wait to hear this music. Only on the Howard Stern Show. Charlie Puth is coming on the show. Um, he's a New Jersey boy who uh, hit the big time and uh, doing very well for himself. He he's a songwriter extraordinaire and uh, and a great singer. Beautiful voice. Beautiful voice. He's got it all going on. Dating the hot chicks. He's doing it all. Be he's a rock star. Well, why not? Why not? Fuck yeah! If I was doing that, I'd be doing the same thing. He's thirty years old. He's having the time of his life. <laughs> Why not? Plenty of time to settle down. Yeah. Of course. Uh, what the hell am I doing here? Okay. Well, I'm trying to think what I want to start with here today because there's a lot to talk about. I'll, um, well, I guess I, uh, I was thinking about this guy, Alex Jones. You know, we always, uh, you know, have the Alex Jones impersonator on, but he got hit with a $1 billion. Uh, you know, he, he said that Sandy Hook, where uh, all the children died, I guess part of his shtick was to say that, uh, that it never happened, that these were actors, and that it was all... Who the hell knows? I don't know. For, for what reason, I don't know, somebody would have made that up. But that's what he said, yeah. But the jury awarded him, awarded the eight Sandy Hook victims a billion dollars in damages. Yeah. A billion dollars, man. I was like, that's supervillain money. That's like when Lex Luthor takes kryptonite, tries to kill uh, Superman. And they bring him in and they, they make him pay a billion dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah, Crazy. it sounds like, uh, what was that takeoff on James Bond where the guy would say, you know, he had been frozen and he didn't know money anymore. And he came and said, I want one million dollars. And everybody said, that's not a ransom. And then he was like, no, one billion dollars. One billion dollars. <laughs> but uh, you'd think Dr. Evil would have to pay one billion dollars. <laughs> not the InfoWars guy. But uh, there you go. You know what I well, was thinking? Well, and would be he's the... insisted, apparently, that he's going to keep fighting. Yeah. Fighting you better, who, though? Because at $1 billion, you better fight. <laughs> I'd be fighting, too, if somebody told me I had to pay him a billion dollars. A billion fucking dollars. Where's he going to go? You know what would be a really depressing thought? I was thinking about this. What if he does have a billion dollars? I'm like, wait a second. I'm wasting my time with this fucking nonsense. I should be on the radio doing these, uh, you know, like uh, making up some shit. lies, yeah. Right. 
Wow, a billion dollars. What the? So I well, said I to someone. I remember them revealing his, his um, assets in the last trial, and I was yeah. shocked at how much he did have. Yeah, I thought, and I thought Alex Jones was like a guy who was like on the fringes and was broke and like lived in a little shack. He makes a ton <laughs> of dough. Who knew? And like, I'm, you know, selling those products and. Right. Um, so after the ruling, after the judge said, Hey, you owe a billion dollars, he told his InfoWars audience that their mission is to shut me up and take me off the air. And they say I'm the, le- the lead elephant. They take me out and they think they're going to take you out. So, um, you know, I guess he's going to war over this. He's, he's upset well, with a billion said, dollars. He's going to continue to fight. But he's not saying that it wasn't true that he made things up. <laughs> Just that they want to take him off the air for it. Do you know the judge also ruled that the uh, impersonator, the Alex Jones impersonator, owes $300 million <laughs> to the family? Now, now that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I know so he I doesn't said, have $300 million. I said to our guys who followed the Alex Jones, you know, story, they, they, um, listen to his show all the time and they, um, he said, so Alex got on right away and implored his audience to buy all his great products to keep him on the air. And now he's hawking a, a you know, as a, an effort to raise money, I guess, he's hawking a line of commemorative coins to raise money. And it's a coin. What are we I, commemorating? <laughs> that's the thing. I couldn't figure it out. I was listening to this and I said to the guys afterwards, what exactly is he commemorating? Because it's called the man in the arena coin. It sells for $129.99. Now, first of all, I don't know anybody who ever bought a commemorative coin and made money on it. But <laughs> right. I mean, do you do you know anyone who owns a commemorative coin? No, no, me neither. But he says uh, it's $129. It features Teddy Roosevelt on one side. And a knight in shining armor on the other side. And it says 1776. And I'm like, well, what? Teddy Roosevelt, 1776, and a knight in shining armor. Armor. What is that all? What How does do that all have to do what? with each other? Yeah. <laughs> you, look, you look as befuddled as I am. <laughs> what is he commemorating? I guess getting his ass kicked in court because uh, Jesus Christ. But anyway, here he is hawking the uh, commemorative coin. Yeah, maybe we can find out what this is all about from his uh, sales pitch. All right. Uh, I'm seeing God's vision unfold here, but I've got more to do in the fight. So go to 1776coin.com. 1776coin.com. It's a fundraiser, man the arena coin. Uh, there's a special running right now. Uh, with 1776coin.com with the promo code 1776 you get $30 off of the coin globalist satanic bastards to, to go to saveinfowars.com legal defense fund and I want them to see hundreds of thousands of dollars not 160,000 in a few weeks me begging because it takes money to beat these creatures and I want you to go to infowarsstore.com and get incredible products you need. You heard them. Don't bet on Jones. Don't get him money. He's a lost cause. They're saying you're a lost cause and you're not a lost cause. This is a damn war. And it mm. takes money to win wars. Oh, well, well, we're not learning any more about the corn. Coin. Well, yeah, I think it's a little <laughs> bit bigger than the coin. No offense, Robin. I think it's about <laughs> you make it some money because uh, a billion dollars, that's a lot of money. Well, where do you display this coin? Why don't you go get your, your $129 coin? What do you do with it? Well, you display it, of course, <laughs> in the living room. 
and people come into your house and you say, and they say, what is this? It's a, uh, uh, Oh, that's an Alex Jones commemorative 1776. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it inspires conversation, I'll tell you that. Well, I ran the numbers. He only has to sell 7.6 million of these coins to be in the clear. <laughs> That'll be equal a billion dollars. But, uh, you know, listen, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it, 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 that's a staggering, uh, settlement. My goodness. He's not even saying what the coin is made of. Well, listen, you, you, here, it's Alex Jones is here. Hi, Alex. Infowars.com. Infowars.com, 1776coin1776coin.com. Robin, every coin is made with the most pure .0009 ounces of silver. These are some of the highest grade coins out there. You need them. You need to support the fight. You need to take down these godless shycoms and these satanists who want to attack us. Infowars.com. Infowars.com. Well, I mean, what a staggering, uh, I mean, well, you know, first of all, uh, I don't know who's listening to your show. Who's going to have that kind of money? I mean, to be buying a hundred something dollar coin, 129. But That's uh, why anyway. I'm telling the Patriots, you need to support us, Howard. We are selling roll after roll of the 1776 coin, 1776coin.com commemorative coins. And listen, I promise I am 100% going to pay the Sandy Hook families. Look, I got my checkbook right here. I'm going to sign it right now. I'm going to write the million dollars here. Let me just sign two satanic crisis actors. Total one zero zero zero. How, how many zeros oh, are in a billion, oh. Howard? Do you know how many are in a billion? Uh, you know what? I don't even know. That's a big number. I'll tell you well, that. But I'll the- write that down. Oh, oh no. A wind, a uh, gust of wind blew away my checkbook. I guess no billion dollars for you demons, scum. You will I, not I, control I, me. You will not take me down. The enemy's losing. We will not worship the beast. We will not live in a cyber Satan digital ghetto in your COVID death cult. I see your spirit. I see your spirits have not been dampened whatsoever. I mean, you are still an info warrior and you are still out there fighting. And, uh, you know, I, I yeah, got to say, you even look good. I thought yeah. this would be wearing you. you down. Yeah, I thought you'd lose some weight or something. I mean, <laughs> but the, uh, the families seem happy about the verdict. I'll tell you that they, they, um, they, uh, feel they had justice. Uh, oh, me. they're so, ha- you should have seen them in court. These globalist satanic bastard crisis actors. You should have seen the, the one father in court going, Ooh! Oh, we got our money. Oh, oh, please. I saw him squirting lemon juice in his eyes. These crisis actors with their fake tears. Their crocodile oh, tears. You better watch oh, what you say. You're going to owe another billion dollars the way you're talking. I'm telling you. you You'll uh, be back in court. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Oh, trust me. We'll pay all billion of it. But listen, this is why we need your money more than ever. We need the Patriots to support us to get out of this. You got to go to Infowars.com, 1776coin.com. Buy the 1776 coin, buy the Vaso Cleanse, buy the Chlorine Mouthwash, buy our true turmeric, and for a limited time only, buy the Sandy Hooks, a hoax t-shirt, because all proceeds go to the Sandy Hook families. We'll, at, we'll definitely give them the money. Wink, wink. You see me winking? Uh, wink, wink. Well, well, thank you for coming on. I don't agree with that message, but all right, there you've had your say, and thank you wait, very much. All right. Listen, before Anything? I go, I do want to make yeah. one big announcement here. I want to let you know. That next week, we will be hosting the Marjorie Taylor Greene dating game on InfoWars.com. Wait a second. You do everything we do. We're doing Drew Barrymore. What are you doing? Marjorie Taylor Greene? Marjorie is is newly divorced. 
She is divorced. She wants patriotic love. Uh, listen, this is not a joke, too. It's my wife and I were sitting around this summer. We were saying, we got to find someone good for Marjorie. We love Marjorie. We got a few good guys. We got the QAnon shaman. Randy Quaid's going to come in. We got the guy who put his feet on Pelosi's desk. We're going to find love for Marjorie. That's the big plan at InfoWars.com. All right. Thank you. You're a very good salesman because Fred just bought a case of VasoCleanse that you were just talking about. <laughs> what is <laughs> What is that? By the way, uh, I wanted to tell you, Alex, uh, Benji is available for Marjorie Taylor Greene. He uh, is interested. Benji from our show. So if you would put his name in the in the hat of so of so-called candidates for Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'd appreciate it. OK, we absolutely will. Listen, I got 15 more court cases to go to. I got a lot going on today. Buy the coins. Infowars.com. 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 Infowars tomorrow's news. Today. 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 All right. There he is. Can't keep a good man down, I guess. Yeah. There you go. He's uh, still fighting that fight. Right away, he had that coin ready to go. <laughs> yep. You bought three. I know. I saw you writing a check. Uh, yeah. I remember as a kid, I'd watch like commercials on TV for commemorative coins. And I thought, well, that looks like a reasonable investment. You, you get your coin and it comes in a special like wrapping. And, and, it, and uh, it's supposed to be of a precious metal. So it must have right. some value. Yes. But I've been around long enough to have realized that the commemorative coins that I saw on TV anyway had very little value because I don't see anybody <laughs> running around with them now uh, cashing in. So I still um, see people selling them. You know, it's very interesting. One of the things that always perplexed me, one of the, the like when I was a kid on TV, they would also sell plates like dinner plates, but they'd yes. have like George Washington or they'd have um, the, the Capitol building or, you know, the White House. And you some would see picture of some building, yes, yeah, building, and that was were commemorative plates. I remember those were like uh, they were kind of being hawked as something might be valuable in the future, you know. But I wonder if anyone's ever bought a commemorative coin of any kind and sold it for more than they bought it for. I wonder if that's ever happened in the history of I've this country. I've never heard of that, but I certainly would be interested. I do know that an iPhone, the original iPhone, is that what they were saying yeah. it was? Sold for $39,000. Really? In some Why? kind of an auction. It was in its original case. Oh. And uh, I guess some museum or other would be interested in that. It's the, you know, it's a technological breakthrough. And uh, change the way we communicate and, you know, the popularity of phones and the styling of phones. So no. I guess somebody wants to, to own the first one. Wow. You can't do anything with it. Apple's smart that way. They Their stuff lasts for about two cycles and then it's obsolete. The, the iOS system no longer works with the phone. I've noticed that... Um, they're smart. They build everything to be obsolete. And, yeah, but uh, there's, so, you know, advancements in technology, too. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing. This phone, I think I got my new phone. It was 208 gigs of something or other. <laughs> and this this original phone was eight. Eight gigs? Yeah. Eight gigs of something. <laughs> Right. <laughs> we all know so much. Oh, uh, man. Um, oh, I had something I wanted to uh, share with you. Oh, 
I should say the fans all wrote in and uh, were very excited about my announcement yesterday that Bruce Springsteen will be doing the show. I told everyone at the end of the show that uh, we had some thrilling news. I've always wanted to have Bruce on the show, and I had something uh, to report on that. And uh, and uh, even the uh, the fan made Springsteen publication, Backstreets Magazine, was sharing their reaction on Twitter. Um, Bruce never appeared on Rockline, an FM radio stable in the 80s and 90s, becoming the program's most famous holdout on satellite. Howard will finally get to interview Bruce Springsteen. For the Stern Show, there's likely no bigger get. That's the truth. That is the truth. You know, Bruce Springsteen. I was listening to E Street, e Street Radio this weekend. And, uh, man, oh, man, uh, you know, the live shows, the amount of live shows that the E Street Band does with Bruce, it is insane. And they play them all. They they play them straight through. And sometimes Bruce will go from song to song to song without a break. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, geez, there's no, there's no harder working guy in show business. Quiet a show. Quiet a show. Ross Zapin texted me immediately. Well, you know what? Ross wasn't the first person to text me who, or email who me. You know, who do you think it was? I bet you would never guess in a million years. Okay. About Bruce Springsteen? Yeah. The first guy I heard from as soon as I got off the air, like the guy wasted no time texting me, well, emailing. Jimmy Kimmel? Jimmy did write me last night about Bruce. He's very excited. But about he Bruce wasn't Kimmel. the first. He was not. He was the third. Jimmy Fallon. Not Jimmy Fallon. Nope. You're not going to believe it. Your old buddy, Dan Foreman. Really? Now, just, now the rest Dan of America is saying, who is Dan Ooh. Foreman? Dan <laughs> Foreman was a guy who used to produce our television show a billion years ago. He's now a big shot TV uh, news guy, you know, TV news producer. But uh, Dan wrote me and he was very amped up about Bruce. He's one of the biggest Bruce Springsteen fans. Is he ready what? to get into another skit? <laughs> no, but he was really super excited. <laughs> And let me see. I think I deleted it. Did oh, I delete no. this email already? Let me see. No, I was going to write back to him, so I still have it. So glad you're going to interview Bruce. I remember playing you cassettes of his music in my minivan. Like um, you didn't know Bruce Springsteen? He's now taking he's credit claiming, for you knowing Bruce? Yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> claiming that I uh, learned about Bruce from him, which is absurd. <laughs> I'm a dis. I'm a professional disc jockey. I played Bruce Springsteen my entire career. Yeah, uh, I was playing Rosalita and taking bathroom breaks at WRNW in 1976 or seven. Well, were you ever met, yeah. Dan? Uh, right. <laughs> I'm very psyched to see what you and Bruce uh, get up to. The best interviewer with the best subject matter ever, at least for me. So Dan excited. I was happy to hear from Dan Foreman. And uh, then I heard Yay! from, jeez, what did, oh, Ross Zapin. What did guy, Ross think, say? <laughs> all he sent me was yesterday at uh, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. B-R-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-U-C-E with one, two, three, five exclamation points. 
Well, that's what you hear, too. I forgot the Bruce. He's constantly right. saying that through the concert, too, while you're standing right. next yeah, to him. Yeah, yeah. If you go to a concert with Ross, you can't actually hear the music because he's carrying How around I, in the audience. I spoke to Ross yesterday, and he was very excited about the interview, but uh, he's a professional. He will be nowhere near our studio. Let's see. As the time Only nears. because he was already warned. <laughs> if he was left to his own devices. Right. It's because I said for 15 minutes on the air that he's not. In announcing Bruce, I had to say, Ross Zapin can't come near the studio. <laughs> you know how fast Bruce would be turned off if Ross started in with his shtick around Bruce? It would just be a disaster. We got to, Gary, you're in charge of keeping yeah. everyone away from Bruce. We'll, we'll be We'll be good. So I wrote him back because he wrote B R U U U U U U U U C. I wrote back and go Ross, comma U U U U U U U are not coming near Bruce that day. He was insulted because he didn't write me back. Who else wrote me yesterday? I don't know. I heard yeah, Jimmy wrote me. He was just like, I'm very excited, which was nice. Um. Oh, Ralph wrote me, but not about Bruce. He goes, hey, forget about Heidi and her daughter. These two need to get into some lingerie. And it was a picture of Kaya Gerber and her, her mother, uh, Cindy Crawford. Cindy Crawford. Right. He's Alfred. now going on like <laughs> every mother and daughter should do this. This is a rite of passage yeah. into female adulthood. Yeah, I'm 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 excited about seeing Kaya Gerber and Cindy in lingerie <laughs> making out with each other. I think that'd be awesome. I'll tell you that. I think it would be very cool. Excuse me for one minute, Ronald. Oh, everybody, our best friend, William Shatner from Star Trek and uh, so many other uh, TV shows. How are you, Mr. Shatner? I'm so, so excited for Bruce. I've got to do a tribute hour. Ah. Oh, okay. Born in the USA. <laughs> I was born. In the USA. Right, right. Born down in a dead man's town. And the first kick I took was when I hit the ground. <gasps> you end up like a dog that's been beat too much. Till you spend half your life just to cover up. Yeah, Mr. Shatner. Do you ever think about changing the words just a little bit to say I, I'm born in Canada? Because I know you were born in Canada. You're Canadian. Listen, I'm such a fan. I get enamored with the whole vision and the fantasy. I, I wish I was born in the USA. Well, you do a beautiful rendition. And dare I say, I hope Bruce is listening to hear your rendition. I was going to say, I hope Bruce doesn't ever hear it. <laughs> You know, you know one of the most. Fact. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, Mr. Shatner, with all due respect, I think one of the greatest covers of a Bruce Springsteen song was uh, Manfred Mann's Earth Band when they did uh, his very, very, very famous song, you know, wrapped up like a douche, you know, a runner in the night. Eh. You know that one. Uh, you, yeah. You're singing too quickly. You got to slow down there, Howard. Come on. You do it. You do it. No, 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 no. no. You, you've got the lyrics. I want to hear you. You've got to go. <laughs> Blinded by the light. 
right. revved up like a deuce. <laughs> Another runner in the night. You see how there's a yeah, difference with good. what you did. You, yeah. you know, you, you got to let the words breathe. Well, you're terrific. You're terrific. All right. Well, anyway, thank you, uh, Mr. Shatner, for that beautiful rendition of Born in the U.S. of A. Uh, I know for a fact that Bruce was a huge Star Trek fan. You know, uh, we could honor Bruce. I'm always happy to do a scene of Star Trek. What? Ah, with Bruce? Well, if he's into it, of course. You would have him be who? He's going to read with you? Yes, well, uh, Howard should read with me. I don't know if oh, Bruce I is really good. <laughs> Howard would love. Bruce would love. I, I got to go. I, 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 oh, gonna, come on. I almost called him Bruce Shatner. Thank you very much, Mr. Shatner. Oh, I'm honored. All right. Can you Thank imagine you. stopping an interview and say, oh, you know, we have William Shatner <laughs> on the phone. We're going to do a scene for you, Bruce. Bruce, here's a chance for you to act with Mr. Shatner. Duncan, you're on the air in Canada. Hey, how are you? Okay. Good. I just wanted to call to thank you. Back in 2009, I think it was, uh, Ford and Chrysler were considering putting, they were going to go out of business and considering putting satellite radios in their vehicles. And I bought the uh, $30,000 worth of shares in Sirius because of you. Uh, it was six or seven cents a share back then. And you were just talking about buying coins and whatever else. But I made, uh, after all my fees, $870,000 because of you. So I thank you. Wow. Boy, well, here's I'm a guy. Somebody made money with Sirius. I tell you what, I'm waiting to make some money myself with that Sirius <laughs> XM stock. I mean, That's wow. Great. He bought it. Well, listen what the guy's six saying. Cents. Robin. He yeah. bought he bought Sirius XM stock at seven cents, six seven cents. Yeah. And the stock price was what, like six nineteen this morning. So um, yeah. the guy made uh he made a million dollars. It's close to it. Almost. Yep. And then uh, I found out after that uh my wife was cheating with my best friend and business partner. So <laughs> Sirius was awesome and then uh life kinda took a turn. For sure. And then you had to give her half of your money. So that must yeah. have been fun. I gave her, I signed a check for like $418,000. <laughs> well, then she was happy that day. So yeah. <laughs> Sirius you made, is always making people happy. Sirius, that's their motto, making people happy. They made your ex-wife very, very happy. Oh, can you imagine? I still can't get over that. This guy's smart. He takes seven cents a share. He turns it into a million bucks. You know, that's a big risk. You know, most of these stocks, they're at seven cents. They never go up. But they, yeah, you okay, never he, see eight. <laughs> he bet on the great Sirius XM and it came through. And, uh, you know, and then, like, he finds out that wife is cheating on him and he got to write half the money off to her. But she didn't do anything. Except I she... don't understand how you get half the money when you've broken the marriage. But they I don't say, understand anything these days. They say no fault. No. In other words, no matter what you do, you still, whoever has the most money, they always have, you know, unless he has a prenup, which he didn't have, uh, obviously. But, I didn't uh, have a prenup, obviously. Yeah. He was smart, but he wasn't that smart. But, uh, <laughs> what about this? Done. I was kind of smart. <laughs> what about the ex wife of yours? Is she still with your friend? 
Yeah, he uh, ended up uh, just in layman's terms. I lived in a million-dollar house with a saltwater pool, and he he lived around the corner. His kids are my godchildren. <laughs> oh boy! And uh, he ended up buying uh, my house, so they both live in the house right now. So, oh my god! How long they ago never was even this? left the house. Yeah, how long ago was this? I got divorced in 2013, I guess, so I'm well over. Um, but apparently they're very happy. But he was my childhood best friend. Mm. Kids oh, that's are not, not a great friend. You don't pick them well. <laughs> I'm, I, bet, I bet you're living now in a, 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 a friend's apartment with a hot plate. <laughs> I, uh, in the basement. He's living in the basement. <laughs> you know what it is? Sometimes yeah. when you're a financial genius like this gentleman who, you know, knows the stock market, he, uh, he, he gets so busy watching that stock, you never notice that your friend is, uh, you know, eating out your wife. Uh, yeah. it's just, that you know, is true. <laughs> honey, I've been, but honey, while you were making money in the stock market, I was blowing your best friend from childhood. Oh, I see. Uh, well, I. No, and how do, you know, no, that's no. the thing that always gets me. The thing I think about is how do those people live with themselves? You know, not that you can't fall out of love and, you know, end a marriage or whatever. But, you know, there are ways and there are ways. But, mm -hmm. you know, you're now sleeping with his best friend, probably in his no, house. No, no, no. He's, you know, working and working. And, you know, you're you're off in your fantasy romance. Honey. Yeah. Why is there a load floating in the saltwater pool that uh, I built for you? And that's not my load. I know my load. My load is much thicker and chunkier. Uh, this seems to be a strange load in the pool. Hey, does your ex-wife still look good? Or is she? has she at least gotten, uh, I don't know, messy? Time-worn. Yeah. Weird, because uh, she is hot. Um I purposely do not go on Facebook to like look at them. Um, but anyways, my new girlfriend is smoking hot, so I'm good there. So it, it's it, now, weird. It, wouldn't it be weird if your new girlfriend fell for this guy? He divorces your ex-wife and then takes off and with your and goes off girl. with her too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like, I would jump off a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> or push him off a bridge. I mean, imagine yeah, that. You go? Wouldn't it be wild that it, it, the friend just Everybody constantly waits? Everybody him for... Yeah. He's like, yeah, Duncan's with a new hot chick. I'll go after her, you know? Yeah. You're like yeah. the yeah. the um, on-ramp to him, you know? Right. Get into a relationship with this guy, and then you get that best friend guy. Yeah. What about your? But, but uh, what did you say about your ex-wife? You don't look at any pictures of her. You don't go on Facebook, so you don't even know if she maybe gained some weight or anything, right? I don't think she gained any weight. She was a size zero or one. Uh, I ran into them a couple of years ago, just walking through the city, and yeah, no, she's hot and good for him. It's weird. Though, were, because how many kids did you have with this woman? Zero. However, she did have a child, like a um, high school pregnancy, before I right. knew her. And uh, I raised her son from the age of five. So that was difficult, I must admit. Let me tell you something, dude. You sound like a good man. You know, not many guys 
would take up would with the girl. Would be this level-headed, yeah. Well, I mean, who also would take care of the kid, you know, it's not yeah. his kid, and he raised the kid as his own. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He's a chump, to... according to his wife. She, t- yeah. she took off, she took him, she took the money, she took everything. Well, you know, as wow. Woody Allen said, sometimes the heart wants what the heart wants, and uh, she wanted his best friend, and that's it. That's the end of it. I've talked yeah. to some of these women, Howard. I know some of their stories. They're not wow. all that pretty. I did, uh, for business, I have to travel a lot. Um, so I lived in Las Vegas for 10 years, and I was commuting back and forth from Canada to Vegas. So um, I take some responsibility. However, I never cheated. I didn't do anything. I had to make a living. So Absolutely. I, hey, I'm with you, pal. Don't worry about it. All right, Duncan. Uh, Duncan's big story. His responsibility was that he wanted to take care of his family. Yeah. Uh, and that got yeah. him a divorce. <laughs> yeah, now that guy lives in his house with his pool. <laughs> yeah. And now Does your, did your best friend ever try to make up with you because you guys were so close? Were you, did you get at least get a chance to say, not, not, not in a million years would I be friends with you again? Did you ever have that experience? Uh, they both deny everything to this day if he, he bought the exact same range rover that i had it, it was bizarre uh mm. and i saw him at a bar one night and uh i had butted him right in the nose and broke it uh, so oh wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah head butted him and broke his nose wow I mean, you know, it's almost like single white female it's like uh the guy went and bought the same car as you had and he did. Crazy. Yeah. He took wanted. over your life. Yeah. It was really, really, really weird. But anyways. Uh, does, your, uh, does this guy, this best friend of yours, does he ever call you for like advice about the house? He's like, look, I know things are fucked up. I'm <laughs> fucking your wife. And I know I bought your house and I have your pool. But um, I'm, I'm having a bitch of a time changing the air filters. And, uh, and how do yeah. you clean the pool? Can you, you help? Know what I mean? Yeah. Can, can you just help a brother out? You know, <laughs> uh, never said that. no, 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 the heads up was enough. And I was proud of that. And, uh, yeah, was I, he the, to do. was he the best man at your wedding? He was ironically. Wow. <laughs> oh. It just keeps getting worse. This you know, in the Bible, it says thou shalt not covet another man's wife. And here your best friend was coveting. Well, I, told her it would be much better like i've never been obviously through this experience before but i told her it'd be better if it was a stranger like what mm-hmm. are you doing and he destroyed his marriage uh our marriage and uh obviously there was lots of talk around town and we work in the same industry um so Oof. it affected Have you have you seen your best friend um, naked? Does he have a bigger penis than you? I'm curious. I have seen him naked, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I opened up, uh, I'm not proud of this, but I opened up uh, my ex's laptop one time, and there were a ton of pictures. So I oh. must admit, it, yeah, so uh, I must admit I have uh, better length and girth than him. And he's shorter than me too. It's weird. <laughs> he so you have more length and girth. 
And yet, yeah. uh, geez, I, he must have more coke than you or something. Who knows what it is? Um, they say it's the motion of the ocean, Howard. I guess so. I Thank think, God uh, for that. I think he has more money than me. I oh. know that. Yeah. How do you? Uh, yeah, he he bought Sirius XM at three cents, so he got uh, <laughs> he got real lucky. But uh, does he? Uh, do you? How long do you think they were fucking before you figured it all out? Three years. Oh, shame on them. And how did you figure it out? Well, just because I was traveling so much and I was back and forth from Vegas. Um, there were, she was just constantly on her phone texting, 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 texting. And then, uh, yeah, no, I went on her laptop and I saw all the pictures. And even then, she's like, no, we're not doing anything. I'm like, I see his fucking cock. Like, come on. <laughs> In the pictures. Oh Wait a God. second. You found pictures of his cock on her computer. And she still yeah. denied having an affair with him. How did you, I mean? How, what? <laughs> I know it's bizarre. So, it's so bizarre. Anyways, by the way, I, your wife and uh, your ex-wife, I should say, and your best friend are on the phone. They want to say hello. I'm sorry that if this uh, traumatizes you, but I think we should get we to the do. bottom of this. They they are demanding <laughs> to have their time on the air. Uh, here is uh, Duncan's uh, best friend and wife. Hello. I'm fucking very bad today. You know. <laughs> All right, that sounds yeah, like a private right. company. Yeah. How did she explain his cock pictures? Like, like there had to be some explanation that even if it's kooky, it reminds me of like when Dennis Rodman was caught cheating by Carmen Electra. There was a girl in the bed and she walked in on them and he said, honey, it has nothing to do with me. She dropped out of the ceiling. Now, while it's I not think it the was great two women for him and it was yeah. like they dropped out of the ceiling, they dropped out of the ceiling. And, <laughs> you know, as lame as you might say that is, at least it's an explanation. At least it's an attempt to, to explain it away. What did she say? I don't understand. She literally, and I'm not joking, uh, she's like, there's nothing to the pictures. And she took her laptop and smashed it. <laughs> so <laughs> too I late. Couldn't, yeah, I was like, yeah, too late. I was like. Why do, fuck? first of all, why do women want cock pictures? I mean, why it, would you have that on your computer? You know, well, you're cheating. That's the other thing. Like, you, you, you think people would be smarter <laughs> well, about it. Computer too. Yeah. Like, you it, order everything. I, I have no idea. And I'm not saying this to be manly, but I don't know. Like, I have a big cock. So, but I do not send it to women. <laughs> like, of course not. Women like, don't. When women I don't like that. No, it's disgusting. Like, penises are fucking disgusting. Like, when I met my girlfriend, I never sent her nudes, like, anything. I don't like that. Of course not. You're smart. That's, the way, that's like me. I, no one sees me nude, not even my wife. Yeah, but the guy uh, well, got the girl who sent the penis. I know. He said, look, here's what I got. But uh, on, on the phone right now, Duncan... This is your best friend, 
and he wants to defend himself. He says, you're lying. Here we go. This All is right. Duncan. All right, what's up? Howard, uh, uh, this guy, you know, he's obsessed with me. He stole uh, my voice, okay, my whole persona. It's bizarre what's going on here. The story is completely flip-flopped around, okay? <laughs> not right what's going on here. And um, I do have a bigger cock than him. I have superior length. I have uh, superior girth, okay? And I got your house. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm going to jump up off a bridge. <laughs> Thank you, <Right>. Craig. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, did you ever contact your best friend's wife? who he left for your wife, did you ever contact her and say, hey, we should have sex, could you have revenge on those two? Well, she's very plain Jane, which is fine, but we ran into each other at a grocery store, uh, and she had to do a drop-off and pick-up with her kids. So we walked out holding hands in front of uh, my ex and her new guy, uh, but it was a joke. So, anyway, right. it was funny. They both turned white. Um, but no, I would never, ever, ever. I I just wouldn't do that. Right. Yeah, you sound like a good guy, Duncan. I'm sorry what happened to you. That sounds like a horrible story, but it's certainly good for air and killing a few minutes here on the show. Yeah, and, and making uh, everybody else feel a little bit better about their lives. <laughs> this isn't well, I'm sure there's other stories like mine out there. It's just, it well, was bizarre. So. When something like this happens, please contact me immediately because I would have advised you to go fuck your best friend's mother. Uh, that always hurts. Uh, no, I'm not no. going to do that. <laughs> Looking back, though, before you found out, was it a good marriage? Were you happy until you found out, you know, obviously what your wife was up to? Were you under the impression that you had a good marriage or did you kind of have an inkling things weren't going right? I think I had an inkling that things weren't going right and not necessarily on my behalf. Uh, I was spending a lot of money. We needed to have the white picket fence and big house and this and that and whatever else. So, um, and when I lived in Vegas, she did not uh, go out to Vegas once because, she, uh, yeah, no, there were tons of signs. So. And this uh, so, ex-wife of yours, does she work at all? I mean, did she do any kind uh, of work, or did she just live off your dime? She lived off my dime. I own uh, one, two, three, four franchises, hmm. and I do dental for a living. Um, I have a dental company. Hmm. Um, yeah, so no. Yeah. And as far as I know, she doesn't work with him. And he owns a dental company as well, which makes it more difficult. Like, How hot is she? Well, I mean, thing. what celebrity does she look like? She must be super hot if everyone's fighting over her. How hot is she? I don't think everybody's fighting over her. Uh, I would say an 8 out of 10. Like, she's pretty hot. So. Who does she look like? Um, Sandra Bullock. 
Oh, that's a good look. I like Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, me too. Very nice. Yeah. All right. You should have gone and gotten Sandra Bullock. And she's free now, right? That's right, right. <laughs> I don't know. Is she? Yeah, Who the hell knows? Where has she been? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Uh, go get her. Uh, All right, Duncan. Listen, I'm, I'm very sorry for your pain, but sounds like you're in a better place now. Sounds and... like you're on your feet. Yeah. 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 I'm on my feet, and I did make a ton of money out serious, but was the person I called. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. The point, uh, thank the you. The man and who Rob. made money on Sirius. That's yeah, the one man. We, yeah, we're one talking person. to. <laughs> yeah. And then I yeah. did half of the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, get a better wife and a better friend. How's that? That's that's my... Don't, that's my uh, you don't I, have a best friend now, do you? <laughs> who needs a best uh, friend? No, no, no. I have a wonderful girlfriend and... She's smoking hot too, so I'm happy All about right. that. Is she an eight as well, or is she even higher than an eight? Uh, no, I'm gonna say a seven. Like, oh, yeah. So your ex-wife that, was an eight. Your ex-wife was an eight, and this this uh, new girlfriend is a seven. A seven's pretty good. Oh, hey, dude, I've had sex with twos and ones. <laughs> I mean, I'm no one to you talk. Know. Now, how, right. Those per people aren't even human. What species were you? That's with? right. I'm not sure the people I was with were were even girls. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, I, I I might have been tricked. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, and and Robin knows this. I had sex with a negative six once on a scale of one to ten. So she knows. She knows the truth. She's wow. seen. Uh, All women need love. Let's let's say that. Who does your new yeah. girlfriend look like? Uh, the seven. Um, I don't know. She has blonde hair. Uh, mm. I'm trying to think. Not Sandra Bullock for sure. No. Maybe a young Pam Anderson. Like she's oh oh that's a seven Ooh. to you. A seven. That's a what 17. What are you from? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Duncan, um, go back. I know you got work to do, and uh, keep your eye on your new girlfriend, okay? <laughs> yes, I will. She's very sweet, and that's the most important part. So, Where is she now? Is she with you? Uh, no, we live separately, and I, yeah, yeah I think that's important, but uh, yeah. No, right. we're going to okay. make some decisions and whatever. Right. Well, Duncan, I'm going to take a break and run upstairs and check on my wife. You've got me thinking. <laughs> I mean, if you I find Jimmy... Computer, <laughs> what if I see Jimmy Kimmel's cock on her uh, computer? I'll be really bummed Kimble, out. Kimble, Kimble. Yeah. All right. You, Thank you, Duncan. Uh, you should run. Thank you for taking my call. Right. Thank and you. I appreciate uh, the investment. I really do. You bet. Well, that's great. Imagine a guy who... What an unbelievable story. A guy who made money with Sirius XM stock. Yeah, that's even wow. rarer than selling a commemorative <laughs> coin for a profit. <laughs> Every day you read about, um, you know, somebody losing their wife to their best friend. That's not so unbelievable. Right. This is a guy who made a million bucks on Sirius XM stock, and I hope it happens yeah. to me, too. I'm going to be very pleased. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Did you read that Mel Gibson is going to testify... At the Harvey Weinstein trial. Now, that's kind of weird. 
What's he got? Uh, did Harvey harass him? <laughs> well, what happened was some girl got harassed by uh, Harvey Weinstein, and she told the whole thing to Mel Gibson. I guess she knew oh. Mel Gibson, this woman. And she, so she, they said to her, how are you going to prove that Harvey Weinstein did what he did to you? She goes, I'll tell you what, when it happened to me, I ran into the arms of Mel Gibson to tell him. Now, did, she, tell you, did she check to see if he remembered? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but it's weird to me. Mel Gibson is, your, uh, your character is, <laughs> he's the guy of all people. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a crazy story. Uh, I can't prosecutors, wait for that testimony. Can we see that on TV? <laughs> prosecutors want to call the actor to support the allegations of Jane Doe 3, who claims that Weinstein sexually assaulted her after she gave him a massage at his hotel in 2010. According to the deputy district attorney, Marlene Martinez, the woman later told Mel Gibson about the incident during a massage, and Gibson's testimony would help buttress her allegation. Okay, now, and, so you're telling me that this woman is a massage therapist? Yeah, I guess so. I guess she must have been massaging Mel Gibson. Yeah, when she told, I mean, what a relaxing massage, by the way, to hear about an assault while you're massaged. You know what, masseuses, that's the problem. Massaged. I, whenever I used to get massaged, I always feel bad for the masseuse, so I always engage them in conversation, and nine times out of ten, they have horrible fucking lives, so. <laughs> it's like me, I was a tortured guy, I'd go to strip clubs with these sexy women, and then I'd ask them about their personal lives, and they'd <laughs> like say, no, I don't want to. be a treat. Yeah, and they would even be like, no, 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 I'm warning you, it's not a pleasant story. And I go, you know what, open up to me, tell me, tell me. Because I wanted to, you know, know who my stripper was. Oh, boy. What to have boy, a personal oh connection. Man, was that a mistake. You did not want to laugh. You just wanted to hand over your money and say, go home to your kids and your, and your husband in the wheelchair. <laughs> oh, boy. Judge Lisa B. Lynch allowed prosecutors to call Gibson to the stand. Uh, anyway, there you go. Mel, oh, look at this. Mel Gibson's on the Mel's phone. Mel's on the phone? Yep. Mr. Gibson, how are you? Oh, he's a disgusting abuser. I yeah. can't wait to testify. Well, let me ask you about that. Um, what are you gonna when you're on the when you're on the stand testifying against Harvey Weinstein? What are you gonna tell them? I witnessed Harvey do terrible fucking things. We were in the jacuzzi. He told a woman, "You're in my house, you cunt, bitch, gold digger, cunt whore." <laughs> You, I've been so fucking good to you. You should just smile and blow me. Well, you, wait a second. You're saying Harvey Weinstein said that because that's exactly what you said to a girl. I got a tape of it. Listen to this. Listen to me. I'm Harvey at that moment? What, what were you, you talking, talking about? about? <laughs> well, you didn't sound confused. 
It's hard to remember who said what to whom, but I do remember this. <laughs> Harvey would say horrible, racist things. He told that girl, you look like a fucking bitch on heat. And if you get raped by a pack of black people, it'll be your fault. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, wait. But, but Mesty Gibson, you better get your tape. You said that. I have tape of it. Listen. You look like a fucking bitch on heat. And if you get raped by a pack of <laughs> it'll be your fault. Yeah, what? you said that. <laughs> yes. That was you. What? Did you, did you know Harvey even threatened her with violence? I watched him say, oh, I watched him say, you need a fucking bat upside the head. I'll put you in a fucking rose gun, you cunt. No, 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 no. You said that. Here, I have tape. You need a fucking bat on the side of the head. I'm threatening. I'll put you in a fucking rose garden, you cunt. You see, you. <laughs> oh, my goodness, Mal. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> He's eating the phone. <laughs> what? <laughs> Mr. Gibson, what did you see Harvey Weinstein do? I don't understand. Everything you're saying that, that Harvey Weinstein did was what you did. What? You make me want to fucking smoke. Where's my <laughs> lighter? Where's my lighter? I think Mel's overheating. I think overheating. you want to take the stand, really. <laughs> Mr. Gibson, you might get Harvey Weinstein off. With this. <laughs> you might get indicted. What do you want, you Robin? You treat me with kindness. <laughs> what do you want Robin to do to you if you could have a date with her? I want Robin to get down on her knees and fucking blow me. All right, well, uh, good luck with the testimony. Well, Thank where you. is this happening? In your house? <laughs> In the jacuzzi. <laughs> my jacuzzi. You better get down there to my jacuzzi with the bubbles. I'm waiting for you. I've been there for hours waiting. Are you going to breathe like you do on the stand, or are you going to calm down? What do you mean? This is how I breathe normally. <laughs> I've never heard anybody breathe like you do, Mr. Really? Gibson. What? What? You might, you might need an inhaler. You, you, you know. All right, all right. Thank you, Mr. Gibson. <laughs> somebody, what? Somebody. Do you have one of those medical alert bracelets? Maybe you should hit it and bring somebody to the house. Robin, don't start in with him. You know he'll curse you out. I use yeah. a sleep apnea machine because of you. You fucking ruined my life. <laughs> right. Thank you, Mr. Who Gibson. Who is he talking to now? You. You. <laughs> All right. Yeah, can there they start go. asking Mel, you know, like the other side, can they start asking Mel about his history if he gets on the stand to talk about this? No. In fact, I was reading about that. The judge actually said, that's a good question. I'll read you this. Hold on. I threw the article on the floor, but here you go. They actually addressed that. Uh -huh. The defense argued that Gibson has, uh, oh, wait, here it is. 
The defense requested that they be allowed to ask Gibson about racist and anti-Semitic statements he has made over the years, but the defense will be allowed to ask whether Gibson holds a grudge against Weinstein. The defense argued that Gibson has ill will toward Weinstein dating from the release of Passion of the Christ, which was widely seen to play on anti-Semitic themes. Uh, Weinstein later published a book, Perspectives on the Passion of the Christ. So I guess I guess they can ask him about that, but... They, I don't. they can't ask him about his own dating history. You know what's funny? Mel will go in and testify, and he'll end up in jail, and Harvey Weinstein <laughs> will be released. <laughs> that would be kind of a funny twist. Uh, Mr. Weinstein, the jury finds you innocent, but uh, due to Mr. Gibson's testimony, they want to they put him in jail for the rest of his life. <laughs> if I was Mel Gibson, I'd stay away. Uh, hey. There's a game that uh, we could play. I think this is a lot of fun and people would like it. But first, let me finish uh, what the fans wrote in about Bruce Springsteen. We get so distracted on this show with so many different things. I've been waiting for nearly 30 years. Need to prepare myself emotionally. Mm-hmm. I may need to call in sick from work just to hear this interview in its entirety live. Uh, congratulations on one of the biggest bookings ever, having Bruce Springsteen in. Uh, like Gary, I'm beyond excited to learn that Bruce will be on your show this month. Be still, my heart. You landed your white whale for an interview. Uh, the king of all media remains strong. I'm thrilled that Bruce will be making his Stern Show debut soon. Make sure to have smelling salts on hand for when Gary passes out. <laughs> Kudos to Baba Booey for having Bruce Springsteen on the show. How long will he Dulo be living bo- on bookie, this? You know, bookie, like every Dulo, time bo- Dulo, he finds something that he hasn't done right. Uh, are you going to say, but he booked Bruce Springsteen? How long does that last? <laughs> like, you mean like, Gary, you really fucked up and it's a boss, but I got Bruce Springsteen. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> Robin, Robin, the guy hasn't even been on yet. Give me a break. Like, give right. me a little bit of breathing room. How do we know just, Gary's not Gary lying? Chill, be chill. Right. He's coming on with Madonna's sister. Yeah, he'll be like, uh, sorry, boss, Bruce said, no, he can't come on. It's, it's happening. But we got it's Bruce's happening. brother. You can rest on your laurels for a while, a couple of weeks, Gary, okay? That was a well, good let's game. get him in. Right. I'm very excited. Um, on Monday, we were speaking about uh, uh, Bernard uh, McGurk, who used to work with at NBC Radio. He died from prostate cancer at 64. And then it turned into a big conversation about rectal exams, PSA testing, a lot of fans appreciate the discussion. Um, it takes a brave, confident man to talk about these important issues and keep them fun and entertaining. I'll bet you saved a life today, Howard. Great discussion. See, Robin, I'm brave for talking yes, about prostate boy, cancer. Look at you. You're yeah. always saying you're such a coward, but no, no see, you're I'm, brave. As long as I'm in this chair, I'm brave. <laughs> uh, I can't thank you enough for talking about prostate cancer. My husband had a PSA of five. So he's now been referred to a urologist. Your show today gave us so much information and questions to ask the specialists that we see next week. And um, I can't think of a better way to be welcomed back after a break than you guys discussing fingers up the ass for medical purposes. <laughs> One person wants me to get checked live on the air. Why? Why do I? I mean, I get checked. Because of Ryan Reynolds, probably. Did you see Ronald, Ryan Reynolds and a friend did a colonoscopy online uh, or something? And, you know, this is just something these celebrities sometime do, you know, to highlight. Well, we did a bit like problems. that. 
uh, Eric Andre came in uh, on our show and we did a bit like that. Eric said, let's do prostate karaoke. A bunch of the guys went over to the urologist, if you remember. Remember Eric was singing, um, the fuck was he singing? I don't know. I forget the song. Kiss from a Rose, I think it was, the Seal song. Oh, that's funny. You can kind of hear when the when the probe goes up his fucking ass. Here it is. There used to be a grain tower alone on the sea. You became the light on the dark side of me. Love remained a drug that the eye must have gone in. Oh my god! Oh my god, I have to ship. Holy shit, I have to fucking ship. You know what it is? The guy uh, had a machine that he would stick like a probe up your ass. It was right, beautiful. right. Yeah, prostate karaoke. One of the better bits ever on the air with uh, Eric Andre. Uh, I also said on the air yesterday that New York and Los Angeles have the best hospitals in the country. And a lot of listeners got offended by that. They want to dispute my comments. I don't care. I'm telling you, that's the way my prejudice goes. Well, I mean, there's the Mayo Clinic. There's, I think, Anderson is in um, Texas, I think. Let me ask you something. As somebody who's lived through cancer... uh, where did you well, go? I'm you in know, New York. Yeah, I wasn't but you went to Sloan. To say it. You went to Sloan <laughs> Kettering. That's where you go. That's that's where I would go. I wasn't going to run to Texas. I'm in New York. <laughs> if Texas had the best doctors, I'd go there. I'd go right to Sloan <laughs> Kettering. And then I'm glad you did, too. But there's Johns you're still Hopkins. Here. You uh, wouldn't go to Johns Hopkins? Johns Hopkins is a great hospital. Mass uh, General. These are great hospitals. Yeah, yeah, Mass General. My daughter trained at Mass General. My, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a family member recently go to Johns Hopkins for something, but, uh, I still, I tell everyone to come to New York. You know, I had a thought about this. And, uh, tell me if you think I'm crazy. But this is my fantasy. And I'm, I'm, I'm appealing to all medical professionals. And, and when I become president, I'm going to put this out there. If you are a doctor, an MD, and um, you live in a state where they ban abortion, please pack your bags and leave these hillbillies because they don't want doctors. They want to believe in, uh, you know, truth serums, elixir. They, they're anti-vaxxers. They don't believe in science. You want to know how to get abortion in this country back? Have every doctor leave. Let him sit. Let Farmer Jones go to the local witch doctor for his medical care. They don't believe in medicine. They don't believe in a woman's right to choose. Just leave. If all you doctors would just go to states that will, you know, that are reasonable. Oh my God! What a fu- that would it. That would be it. Because you know but what they want to do. You know They're going to lock up. Happen. Oh yes, it is. President Stern, really? vote for me. President Stern? <laughs> because you know they want to lock up doctors who perform abortions. Yeah. That's what they want they to do. They want to make so, them criminals, yeah. Let's see how they do without these these uh, these brilliant, brilliant doctors who save lives. Let's see when their kids get sick, how they function. Yeah, you we'll don't see who go they go to, to prison and, you know, some guy says, what are you in for? Yeah. 
I was I performed an abortion. Performed an abortion. You're just going to be someone's girlfriend for the rest. You're going to be of a, your you're going to be a permanent butthole for the whole prison. <laughs> so don't don't uh, buy into it. Move That's away. Right. Get out. You must Why? protect yourself. Why would you want to be a doctor in a state where they don't believe in science? They think Dr. Fauci is a bad guy because he wants to give vaccines. I mean, get out. Get out while you can. And let them pray to the red jasper stones like Sal does. You know, oh, yeah, our boy got cancer, but we're rubbing the red jasper stone on it in a crystal. Yeah, they say that works. And then this guy came in with a big wagon and he sold me a special anti-cancer elixir. But we don't need the powers of the red jasper. The powers of the red jasper. But this is the thing the red about jasper. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> These people is that they do... When they get cancer, they run to the hospital. Oh, yeah. When they get a heart attack, they run to the hospital. Strokes run to the hospital. Even broken leg car accidents. They're never with the witch doctor when they actually, you know, have a problem. But any problem they don't have, you should let them tell you what to do. When you graduate medical school, just don't go to one of those states. Just practice in one of our nice states that are reasonable. See how quick they change their tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, we're for abortion. We changed our mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is all this anti-science horseshit? What are we in the dark ages? What's going on in this country? Anyway, that's my fantasy anyway. And I, I hope the doctors all take me up on that. Well, they could do it right now, but I don't see any real migration happening. I do, actually. I see some doctors leaving right now. A caravan of doctors. Yeah. And <laughs> by the, the way, rubber. dudes, we got, we have lots of needs for doctors here. We believe in you guys. Come on up. We won't put but you in But then, jail. you know, they're only going to arrest the women when they come back home. Yeah, well, women, move here. We need you. <laughs> we love women here. We love it. We love sex. We love everything. Anyway, uh, Howard, what are you smoking? The best hospital in this country is in Cleveland, the Cleveland Clinic. It's also one of the top hospitals in the world. New York and L.A. are not the center of the universe. Well, okay, to you. We'll see. I'm telling you. Best bet, New York, L.A., if you've got serious illness. I'm telling you. I see it. I talk to these guys. I'm in touch with every doctor there is. They're all working on me. Trust me. <laughs> Uh, a lot of fans are excited about Jason and his Nutrisystem commercial. A lot of congratulations on him losing yeah. 100 pounds. It's an, Howard, it's inspiring to all us tubby folks out here. Uh, what else? Oh, a lot of people were, uh, when I was talking to Fred about our old days, at WCCC Radio in Hartford. A lot of fans loved hearing about our early days in radio. Howard, I always love when you guys talk about the old radio days, especially when you and Fred... Uh, talk about your origin story. I think you guys should bring back the pizza party meetings. Yeah, we used to have pizza party meetings in uh, Hartford, Connecticut. A real party. <laughs> Why am I getting emotional hearing you speak about your old boss, Bill Nozzle? I don't even know him, and I moved. So there you go. That's nice. Uh, a lot of people also wrote us uh, when we interviewed uh, Matt Friend, who is a TikTok influencer and celebrity impersonator. He called him with his Howard Stern impression, and the fans That's were right. impressed. They liked it. Um, here I am talking with Matt. He's doing his Howard Stern voice. 
Hey, is this uh, Howard on the phone? It's great to meet you. I guess I do sound a little bit like that. You, you really do, but you're fantastic. I hear what you're doing, and I think you're on to something. I honestly do. <laughs> you think so? I've observed about you what you do is. You're, you're, you're one beat away from Alan Alda, and I talk about this all the time. Because you're right. a bit lower. You're down here. And then Alan, you bring it up, he's a little bit higher pitch. <laughs> Very good. Matt Friend. The audience thought Matt's impression was dead on. Easily the most spot on impression I've heard. The voice is literally perfect. If Howard is the king of all media, then Matt Friend is the heir apparent to Howard's throne. You're going to be working no, when no, I no, go. No, 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 That is, yeah. is not the way it works. <laughs> yeah, evidently it is. It is. Remember when uh, Mel Blanc died and they put him in all the day? They found a guy who who sounded like uh, the yeah, rabbit and the but, Elmer Fudd. Yeah, well, I Bugs guess Bunny. they had to. Sure. Uh. You're going to work with Matt Friend and he's going <laughs> to take over the show. Uh, that, seg that segment with Matt Friend was so much fun. Matt is brilliant, and Howard, you were very gracious. You've always said not many can pull off an impression of you, so the fact that you welcome Matt on the show is a big deal. Uh, you were very gracious, and he was fantastic. <laughs> yep, there you go. You don't often hear that on this show. Uh, one fan said Matt Friend should compete with Sal in a Howard Stern impression. You guys should get Matt back on and give him, let him go head to head against Sal. Sal has a Howard impression? Oh, yeah. He's done it on the show. Here is, uh, Sal doing his Howard Stern impression. Uh, in a, uh, remember he called a gay nightclub as Howard Stern? Uh -huh. Here he is. Hey now, hey now, it's Howard Stern. How are you? Oh my God, Howard. Let's get down to business. Uh, I'm coming out to Los Angeles to uh, inaugurate the new Sirius XM studios. And uh, yeah. there's some things that they consider too risque for Richard and Sal to do in my studio. And I was wondering if we can use your gay nightclub to do these stunts. Is that okay? Howard, my club is your club. Anything you need. Thank you. The first thing uh, we're going to do is hang Richard and Sal upside down from your ceiling, and they will have cups in their mouths, and they will piss oh my into their own cups with their penises. The person with the most piss wins. <laughs> oh, I'd love that. <laughs> and uh, we have an area uh, that we, it's perfect for it because, like, it's got a cement floor, so it doesn't matter if piss gets all over the floor. Um, if you want, I can even get a special strap that you can hang Richard and Sal upside down with. It would be my pleasure. Hey, now, you're talking my language. <laughs> That's pretty good. That is a terrible Howard Stern oh, impression. Oh, stop it. How dare you insult Please. Sal? He worked so hard on that. How dare <laughs> you, sure Robin? How dare you? Hey, now. Hey, now. Sure he worked hard. Hello, this is... This is Howard Stern, and I'm not Sal. <laughs> hey, now. I work hard, um, Robin, and you're getting me hard. Hey, now. Hey, now. <laughs> By the way, when we were in L.A., why didn't we do that bit? Why are you and uh, Richard not hanging yeah, upside why down? why aren't you hanging upside down and peeing in a cup? <laughs> we're saving uh, that for the next Cocktober, Robin. Hey, now. <laughs> hey, now. Well, Sal, um, listeners want to hear you compete with Matt Friend. Also, uh, one guy wrote in, he remembered, he had a good memory. Matt Friend's impression is really good, but my favorite Howard impression is still Elon Gold's. Elon Gold, the comedian. I didn't remember Elon's vocal stylings. 
Uh, I'll play you. This is from 1993 he was doing this. Hey, let me tell you something, Robin. That Marla Maples. Oh, with a body on her. Hey, <laughs> let me you I do her getting her pregnant? Why would you do that? Oh, I think I got her pregnant. And maybe Jackie did. <laughs> I love it. I <laughs> ah, shut up. All, All right, we got to do a commercial. <laughs> right. And uh, we're going to be back with Elon. <laughs> I love him. Let me tell you something, Rob. He's good. That guy is good. Come on, that sounds like me. Yeah. <gasps> Uh, it sounded the like you back then. You've changed quite a lot. What are you talking about, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> that is not your laugh. Yeah. Howard, the best guest on your show to do impressions, specifically yours, was Jimmy Fallon. He nailed the nuances of your voice perfectly. Here's a clip of Jimmy Fallon. My, my impression of you, am I around the area? Yeah. Now, like, like this, like, look at, look at you. Look at what you've done. Wow. We, we've said it. We've said it all. We've said it all, Robin. He's working on it. It's, it, it, it's hard. It's a very it's tough one to do because you're not new. You know, like you don't have those things like a an Al Pacino or, you know, an Arnold Schwarzenegger where you have the accent that cover, you know, you don't have that. Well, there you go. Well, Robin's right. I I don't have it, whatever it is. <laughs> but uh, That thing I did, you can mimic, you don't have. Uh, let's go to Bob in Arizona. Hey now, Bob in Arizona. What up? Hey, Howard. Hey, I hey, uh, just want to say, uh, a Vietnam combat vet, listening to your show for many years. I just, uh, I like to say how much I appreciate all your kind sympathy, kindness for all the vets out there. It really, it really helps us a lot. You know, I deal with this PTSD crap for the last 15 years. And, you know, it's a breath of fresh air every day to listen to your show and all the uh, all your uh, people who work for you, Robin. You're fantastic. Everybody on the show, I really appreciate it. Hey, Bob, let me ask you something. With this PTSD, because I watch uh, Seal, the you know the show on CBS. I watch Seal Team. Um, right. And a couple of the characters have PTSD. What exactly is it? In other words, when you were in Vietnam, you saw some horrible stuff. And when you got home, you just keep seeing it over and over in your head? Well, let me tell you something. And there's a uh, James Gandolfini did a thing about PTSD. It started back in the Civil War, believe it or not. But you put it aside. What I learned it took me 20 years to get to a psychiatrist, the VA. My wife really was uh, instrumental in that. But, you know, you're right. You You were... You're reliving uh, situations, and I, uh, when I was with my doctor, I had to go over and over and over with this stuff. It just, and it just seems like it never goes away. It sits in the back of your head, and all of a sudden, it just something triggers it. I don't know if it's the news or what. You know, and what do you see, think, though? But Bob, Bob, what like what specifically do you see in your head? In other words, is it a, a particular incident, a, a death of someone, or uh, a guy getting blown up? What, do you, what is it you see? Well, sometimes I have a lot of nightmares about a lot of things, the choppers. Um, incoming. Incoming is a big thing. When you're sitting there and all of a sudden you hear these sirens going off and there's rockets going off, people are running, people are getting shot and blown up. You know, it's just it's just something horrible. I always tell people, I said, what what do you think about Vietnam? I said, I'm gonna, I'll tell you right now. And every vet will tell you this who's been in a war. 
Every day you wake up, death is tugging on your shoulder. That's what it feels like. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day. But I will say one thing, and I don't care what a lot of guys say about these VAs. I'm telling you, my VA is fantastic. They're state-of-the-art, and I love these guys. So well, when that's you were, great to hear. Just, like, let's give them their props. So when you were in Vietnam, you saw some horrible things, and now for the rest of you, By the way, your voice sounds familiar. Did I serve with you? No. <laughs> we the that same, you uh, didn't see. <laughs> I, I would have loved to have been around with you. I mean, I never met anybody who could ad-lib as good as you. I mean, it's like, I know you guys write a show, but man alive. You come up with these zingers. I, I tell you, I'd give anything to have that kind of a personality. <laughs> well, let me tell you, uh, thank God for you saying that. Uh, I've rarely heard anyone say they wanted to uh, have my personality, but uh, <laughs> that you're is very a kind. new thing. I don't think yeah. you've ever heard it. Uh, yeah, you I must really be <laughs> suffering from PTSD because uh, I'm telling you, no one says that. But, 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 but in all honesty, um, like when you were over there, when you would hear, like, the protest music of the 60s, did it bum you out, or were you like, oh, good, I'm glad someone's protesting this war so I can get the fuck out of here? No, you know what, Howard? We we never saw or heard that stuff other than that Hannah bitch always with her propaganda. It wasn't until I flew into Oakland. I'm from Chicago, okay? But I had to fly into Oakland, and they were all yelling at me, I'm a baby killer and all this stuff, and spitting at my uniform, you know? I thought, you know, I thought when you get off the plane, it'd be like World War II. Everybody's throwing a party for you. They hated us. Right. You know, Fortunately, you know, in the 90s, when uh, Desert Storm hit, people started finally, you know, recognizing vets. You want to know something? You know, I, I'll tell you yeah. what I did. You know, I don't have a bit of PTSD from the war because what I did was I just banged thousands of hookers. And so every memory I have of the war was just the different sexual positions. His war was with the hookers of Vietnam. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, we, we had a few of those, too. You know, me so horny. Yeah. Um, did, you, uh, did you actually bang hookers over in Vietnam? Unfortunately, yes. And it was a mistake. Why? Well, a couple uh, once I caught the clap. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I had to get the penicillin. I was all tested when I got home. Blood work, everything. I said, I, gotta, I don't want to be coming home with all some monkey disease or whatever they were carrying around over there. <laughs> How many, uh, did you did you get to do any hand-to-hand -hand combat? Absolutely. I was in the wow. 25th Infantry Division. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's hard, but, you know, you, you, it's, I'm 75 years old. Right? I, you know, it is what wow. it is. I got I to gotta go on with my life. Right, you know? right, right. My, my wife has been supportive so much uh, with uh, with me and the VA. You know, it's it's great. And like I said, listen to your show, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> I, you're right, man. I, I know you don't like going to the house, but I could hang with you easy. <laughs> oh, oh no, you couldn't. You think the war is rough. You How come you here. hang with him? He never goes out. <laughs> I'll tell you who's got PST, PTSD is my wife. You wait till you see what it's like to hang with me. It ain't no treat, trial. Trust me. I, I come to life for the show, but uh, other than that, I'm a mess. But uh, you but know what? I got to tell you. one thing about PTSD that a lot of times people don't get. It's not that you're seeing things when you're awake and walking around, but it's what he said, the triggers, that something that 
everybody else is walking by not noticing triggers them. And all of a sudden, that fear and panic and dread. So, Bob. Yeah. Come back. So, so in other words, like, I if I was I talking to you. I can't be in a closed space either. I can't be in a closed space, and I'll tell you why. The first night I was there, first night, I was only 19 years old. And we were getting pounded. And they had us crawling into this hole, this bunker. And we were like shoulder to shoulder. I couldn't even breathe. I had so much claustrophobia. And I was in there about a half an hour. And I'm telling you, after that, the guy would be yelling, get in, the, get in the tunnel. And I said, you're nuts. I'm taking my chances out here. I'm not going anywhere. I want to see what's coming at me. This crap. Can you, can you, can you watch movies about Vietnam? Yeah, I have. And you know what? You brought that up one time about some guy with their, you know, a lot of it's Hollywood stuff. But I want to tell you, you want to see a real true, some guys are really, uh, some real heroes from a Vietnam War. It's a true story, too. A guy, uh actor named Dylan McDermott. It's called Hamburger Hill. Watch it, Howard. I'm Hamburger Hill? Yeah. It's about the 101st Airborne trying to take this hill in Anshaw Valley. It's a true story. These guys. Yeah. Man, alive. I'm telling you, watch that moving your heart. Your heart will be broken. Two yeah, weeks, I, they, I, they tried to take that hill. Yeah, I read a lot of books about war and stuff. But, um, so, it, you know, that's what I'm good at. Like, I just read about it. And then I, I pretend say, I'm in it. Why do you read about it? You're not going to go I'm, do it. No, like, but I'm fascinated <laughs> by... You want to know the truth? I'm fascinated what? by heroes. I'm fascinated by men who step up and have the ability to somehow... You know, go through the worst situations and defend this country. And it, go willingly, it, consciously, knowing this is going to happen, right? Yeah, I, I'm I'm amazed. I mean, I, I talk to guys about World War II, as uh, Bob just mentioned, and the various wars. And it's unbelievable to me how brave these guys are. I, I, I you know, I'm such a puss. I couldn't, I don't know. I, I'm just not half the man Bob is. I'm just not. Just not. Uh, just not. Yeah, you know what else, like Bob? Said. You're like 75, and uh, you yeah. sound like a young dude. That's the amazing thing about voices. You sound like a young man. You know. Well, you know, <laughs> I kind of I try to take care of myself. You know, I, in fact, I, I'm I'm on my way into the VA right now because um, every year I get a CAT scan of uh, <clears throat> they want to see what my lungs look like because I, unfortunately I was in an area where they were spraying. And uh, orange, Agent Orange, and then I was a I was a smoker too, which was really irritates me. I quit twenty years ago, but it's uh, it, it's uh, but I'm on my way to the VA right now to give uh, have my uh, cat my yearly cat scan done. Yeah, do you? Uh, you're seventy five. What time do you eat dinner? I eat at five o'clock. What time do you eat? <laughs> like three thirty, four o'clock. Yeah, I'm thinking. Dinner? I'm, I'm trying to get my wife to go to four thirty, but I don't think I, it's a no go so far. I'm in bed by seven thirty. Are you kidding? I was in bed at seven thirty last night. I watched an episode of She Hulk. My wife came in, and uh, we started a new episode of Bachelor in Paradise. And she fell asleep, and I stayed up till ten o'clock watching. It was oh awesome. My goodness. Yeah, yeah. I would wait till you see Bachelor in Paradise tonight. It's fucking awesome. Uh, that's my, yeah. Bob, uh, try not to listen to what I'm saying right now. He's a real man. I, you know, and these guys are like, what? We were bonding until you brought up Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> no, um, they're, they're, hey, Bob, this know, is a treat. You know, Bob, I got a treat for you. This is great. Well, I don't know okay. if you noticed, but when you were over in Vietnam, 
you when you fuck one of those whores, you got her pregnant, and your illegitimate child's on the phone. So here, <laughs> how are you? Hello, uh, you're my daddy. I love you so much. You need to send oh. money. Yeah, he's so horny. <laughs> I, listen, I need to blow men now to put food on my table for my mama. I have to become lady boy. All right, enough of that. Well, Bob, uh, thank God that's not true. That but, call uh, didn't really come, yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Hey, and Howard, one quick thing about shows or TV shows or movies, you got to watch. You maybe have watched two seasons of The Punisher with John Bernal. Oh, you watched oh, that? Well, I, yeah, are you that kidding? Was Netflix show. That yeah. guy oh. is brutal. I love that guy. He's in American Gigolo now, but he is brutal in that. I mean, he is brutal. This guy, this guy can kick some ass. I'll tell you. <laughs> I love him. Uh, you you watch Seal Team? Yeah, I watch all that stuff. I shouldn't probably, but you know. Well, I watch it, and then I'm, you know, pretend I'm in the war. You watch it. You could have an episode of PTSD. You watch Kissing Booth 3? Oh, I, I realized I was talking to a real man. <laughs> I didn't like Kissing Booth 3. Uh, I like Kissing Booth 2 and 1, though. Oh, I'll be well, well, then you reclaimed uh, your manhood. <laughs> yeah. You didn't like 3. Bob, you're probably a real man like me. Are you finishing the new season of Virgin River on uh, <laughs> Netflix? <laughs> All right, Bob, no. you're a hero. I, I thank Listen. you for us. Teaching Thank us you for a, taking my call. It's been years. Never forget, I, I appreciate you guys. You guys are great. I mean, great. Never forget a guy like Bob. He's an important dude in our history. He's a brave guy who, you know, he, he stands up for this country. And uh, Howard, when can, you're, I tell you, can I tell a quick story about Robin? Uh, if it involves her of uh, beauty and uh, no, her without no, no, her top on, go ahead. It's <laughs> a funny that. story that happened to me. It's funny. Back in the nineties, I was over and uh, I was doing a job in Davenport, Iowa. But anyways, me and my wife were walking on the street, and if I'm not Robin, that's when you one of your first books you wrote in the nineties. Uh huh. Okay, so we're walking. I said I want to get Robin's book, so we walk in this bookstore. And I'm looking all over, and I don't see anything. And I go up to the guy, and go, hey, dude, where's the Robin's book? You know, Robin Clears. I'm sorry, sir. We don't, we don't, we don't sell material like that. I says, what? Howard Stern, Robin Clears. He looks at me and says, sir, this is a religious bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> I look at it and go, I guess I'm in the wrong bookstore. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Uh, let me tell you something. You talk about PTSD. I have PTSD from reading Robin's book. Uh, she gave it to me. Good. Oy vey. Beat me up. All right, Bob. You, you take care. There you take go. it Bob. easy. Good to Thanks, hear from Bob. you. Love you, Bob. Guys. Love you. I love you, Bob. I do. I love him. It's my kind of man. I wish I could be half the man Bob is. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Oh. I was going to play a game here, but I see it's almost time to talk to Charlie Puth, and I'm sure his 20 million. I was looking on Instagram, or no, it was TikTok. He's got 20 million followers. I can't even wow. fathom that. I mean, it's like having your own radio station. But better. He does what a ton of. radio station have 20 million listeners? Mm, yeah. Well, back in the day, we. It is. It's better than that any was single a radio national. station show you know we no. were all over the place to get 20 million local radio you're not getting that uh, that's right robin but uh 
He has an interesting feed. I'm actually uh, subscribing to it because he does like he shows you how he puts music together. He'll ah. he'll um he'll take sound effects like a fart and write a song around it and shit. Like it's crazy. And a real talented guy. Perfect pitch. And uh he can like you could like if you make a sound is, he'll tell you what. Yeah, is perfect pitch necessary or is it just like a nice no. thing to have? No, he has a rare ability to to hear notes and hear sounds and know what note it. It's he's consumed with music, but uh, interesting mm. guy. I've been uh, following him, and uh, well, I asked that question because obviously I know nothing about pitch. There's nothing per- perfect about well, you, my pitch. You, you try, you try. You're out there trying. Everybody knows. <laughs> and I'm like, is that is that a good thing or is that just something? Some You're singing. Your singing may not be perfect, but your stage presence is awesome. People can't take their <laughs> eyes off of you. Uh, but by the way, <laughs> by the way, I was going to play a game with you, but we ran out of time. I'll get to it tomorrow, but I'll give you a little preview of this game because you'll like it. Uh, we call this, um, and we actually played this once before, so it's a, you know the game. What religious shows pray for part two? So ah, we yes, call I these rel- this. Yeah, you did very well with it. Uh, a few months ago, we had this new game. What would religious shows pray for? And the audience went wild for it. And the premise is simple. We called up different religious internet radio shows with ridiculous prayer requests. And you had to guess if they prayed for it or not. So, uh, okay, I'll give you one, one new one. And then I got to take a break. Listen to this. Well, first of all, all right, here's the song. When they pray, what will they say? Will they say yay? Or say no way? Will they be mad? Or will they be glad? Let's find out more for what will religious shows pray for? What will religious shows pray for? The only game show where Robin is the only contestant. <laughs> there you go. All right. So here it is. This was our first prayer request. Listen carefully. God bless you this morning. How are you? Hello, just Father Fred Norris. I'm a priest. And I was wondering, could you please pray uh, that the altar boys at my church become uglier? and less muscular because uh, they are putting feelings within my body that craves them. I want to end this temptation. So there's uh, Sal doing his uh, impression of something. I don't a know. Preacher. But, but, yeah, priest. We came <laughs> we up with this. Tempting altar boys. <laughs> we came up with this because Fred actually prayed for this once in his real life, that altar boys would be ugly. But, um, Robin, what do you think? Will the religious internet radio show pray that altar boys become uglier so they won't be so tempting to this priest? Yes. (laughs) Crazy. (laughs) That's a crazy answer. Uh, All right, I'm going to lock you into a hallelujah yes. Yes, they will pray. All right, let's see. Let's see if you're right. Here we are. Altar boys, ugly. Let's pray to God. Um, okay, Priest Norris or Pastor Norris, we're going to be praying for you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Yeah. The uglier, the better. Get them really ugly so I no longer have cravings. 
Yes, yes, most definite preacher. We are going to pray for you. Because, see, we have to fight the good fight of faith. He stated, he's looking at younger men, and he a man. So we pray for you that you won't be confused and that God will bring you out. Fat, too. Fat and ugly, so I don't have temptations. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 Robin was right. Hallelujah. They didn't. Yeah, you, you just hit on a red button issue for the yeah. religious. <laughs> well, I have a feeling that uh, they didn't sound too surprised. They must get that one a lot. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Good for you, Robin. Let me do one more. Come on, we're having fun. <laughs> and then I'll get over to Charlie Puth, who will tell you what it takes to make it in the music business. He's got a crazy Something we story. don't have. Music talent. Music talent. <laughs> All we do is call religious shows. <laughs> All right, let me ask you this. All right, I'll play you this one. Here's the next request. You tell me, Robin. All right. Yes or no? Will they pray for it? Here we go. Yes, hello. Uh, may you please pray that every lesbian suffer a debilitating yeast infection and every gay man's butthole mysteriously seal itself shut. Lord, have mercy. What do you think, Robin? The prayer is... To have every lesbian get a yeast infection and every homosexual's buttocks be sealed up because sealed this man shut. sealed shut because he's against homosexuality. What do you think? Will they pray for it or not? Yes. You say yes. Let's lock you in on a yes. Yes. They will pray. All right. Here we go. That's unbelievable if they pray for that. <laughs> I mean, that's it's just terrible. All right, here we go. Let's find out the answer. Oh, my God, Holy Spirit. <clears throat> no mercy, no grace. you got to love the homosexuals. you got to love the lesbians. Jesus loves everybody. That's why he went to the cross. Not just some people. He loved the whole world, but he hates sin. He, they would not pray. He said no. Yep. God loves wow. the homosexual. So there you go. Motherfucker. <laughs> Motherfucker. All right. <laughs> That's right. What will religious shows pray for? You want one more before we take a break? If you've got time. Uh, barely, I'm, but I'm all right. at 50% here. I can't stay mm, that way. All right. <laughs> all right. Here's the next one. Let's see how you do. This is a good one. Tell me what. Tell me if uh, the religious show would pray for this. Hello, God bless you. My wife just died. Could you please pray that my wife died of natural causes through the autopsy, and not from being thrown down the stairs, and that the police stop asking me questions because I'm mourning right now. I'm in pain. What do you think? Uh, this guy wow. wants a prayer. He he's just praying that the police. See, natural causes as the cause of death and not from being pushed down the stairs. <laughs> Beautiful wife who we just lost. What do you think? Will they pray for that? Oh, boy. See, that's... First of all, we're going from show to show. So I don't right. know you don't this know. particular don't know. religious brand. Right. But I'm going to say they do pray for this man. All right. Let's, uh, let's lock you in on a yes. Yes, they will pray. All right, here we go. Let's find out. 
What about that autopsy? Are we going to see natural causes? Are we going to get a prayer? Well, you you got it. Uh, we we pray and ask that 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 God bless you. And, and the autopsy come back with natural causes. We definitely <laughs> pray that that the, that the police officers should be sensitive. They should be they should be in moaning. You know, just keep the police away. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely pray that that God have mercy. And, and make it easy for you. And also, uh, please pray that the life insurance goes through and we get the money. Yes, we definitely can pray that. But protect that inheritance. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, amen. What will religious shows pray for? <laughs> Good for you, Robin. There you go. Unbelievable, right? Yeah. I want to do one more so bad. <laughs> One more, and then we got a break for Charlie. One more, okay? Okay. I want to see if he can get this one right. This one here is, uh, all right. Listen to this one. Tell me what you think. Hello. This is George Decay from Star Trek. Many of my cast members from the show have passed away, and it's down to me and William Shatner. Can you please pray that God take William Shatner before me? Will they pray for that, that God takes William Shatner before George Takei? Come on, buddy. This is what a tough think? one. <laughs> yes, it is. They're all tough. All tough. Uh, I'm on, going Robin. to say they don't pray. Wow. Let's lock you in on a no. There's no way. All right. Here we go. It's a no from Robin. Will they pray for God to take William Shatner before George Takei? You know, I, I don't think that we should actually pray that somebody dies before you. That's not what we usually do. So I, I, I won't pray for that particular I, thing. I understand. Can you pray that his toupee fly off live TV? He's a pompous ass and needs to be humbled. Sir, we, we can't do that. We, we have to, we really need to continue our program. So, you know, God bless you. Brad, they won't pray for me. Grab a Bible and get on your knees. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Robin, you're doing very well. I'm very proud of you. Wow. That was game. a tough one. You were good. I, let me see if you get this one real quick. Come on. Stop it. Real, come on. You're doing so well. I was angry at my boss, and I got drunk and unfortunately urinated in his car. Alrighty. I'm ashamed, and I'm so worried that he's going to find out, and I'm going to lose my job. So I was wondering, can you please pray that my slow adult co-worker is blamed? Because she's so out of it, she won't even know what's going on, and I really, really need this job. Thank you. Guy peed in his boss's car. Oh, he wants them geez. to pray. That the slow adult who works there gets blamed for the pee. We've all uh, been there. I, I'm going to say no. All right. Lock in on a no. They said no way. All right. Let's find out if you're right, Robin. Okay. I will pray that you don't get fired. Just blame her, God. And, and I want to remove I, the worry. We hear your request. We are helping you. We are guiding you. Oh, Jesus, blame her. And if there are consequences... We will guide you through those. I pray that she finds happiness doing something like bagging groceries or mm -hmm. collecting shopping carts as I get to keep my job and make money. Indeed. And we know you will make better choices in the future. Okay? Thank you. God bless you. 
Bye bye now. I, I think, don't uh, know what they're praying for. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I only got two left, and uh, uh, all right, I, I, let me let I me play the, the last. The judges two. can't can't tell me I didn't get that one because they say we won't pray for that, but we'll pray for you. You know what, Robin? Uh, you're such a good sport. I'm going to give you that one, and I don't even know you. if you're right or not. But there you go. <laughs> I will say uh, we could. But I, I'll tell you what: that slow adult is fucked unless she calls that show and gets them to undo that prayer. All right, quickly on this one. Come on, Robin. Give me a yes or no. God bless you. Uh, listen up here. I, I know Jesus is white, and I have these black neighbors, and they have a black statue of Jesus Christ on their lawn. It's black. And it's, you know, very offensive to us good praying Christians. So I was wondering, could you please pray uh, that my black neighbors, they take down that statue of black Jesus? Well, what do you think? (laughs) Again, I I have no idea who he's talking to. It almost doesn't matter. Go ahead. It really doesn't? (laughs) No. Will they pray? Just give me a yes or no. (laughs) All right. I'm going to say yes, they pray for this. Yes, they will pray. All right, let's find out if you're right. I will say one thing. All of our DNA, white, black, brown, beige, red, all of our DNA came from Africa. We don't know what Jesus looked like. Oh, I know he's white. I saw the passion of Christ, and believe me, you, Jesus is white. That was a movie. I don't care if it was a movie. It was directed by Mel Gibson. He knows what he's doing, but... uh, if you can't pray that uh, the statue be taken down, can you pray that somebody come over there tonight and spray paint that black Jesus white? You know, um, I'm going to say, audience, this is the type of ignorance that goes on in America. And it's sad. There's some evil spirits working in this one that just called. Now, whether he's being possessed by an evil spirit or he is Satan, this world is coming to destruction. Well, there you go, Robin. That's oh, a no. I lost out on that one. You lost but out on bah, bah. The, I, I think Sal called the wrong religious show that day. All right. Fair <laughs> enough, Robin. Fair enough. I'll give it to you. How's that? <laughs> no, uh, no, no. All right. Here's the last I one. And then, that one. And then we're going to talk to Charlie Puth, who knows what he's doing when it comes to music. Here you go. The last religious moment, if you will. Listen to the premise. Hi, this is Ekta Arnold Schwarzenegger. Do you know who I am? Yes, sir. Good. I love your show. And I need a prayer. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Can you pray that my agency sends me a hot maid to once they're sending it ugly? I need someone who can clean the house and take care of me. Can you pray for that? Will, they, will the religious show pray for Arnold Schwarzenegger to get a hot maid? Yes. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm going to lock you in on a yes. Yes. Everybody understands that. Yeah, everyone, every, everyone, any show would understand that. Mr. Arnold, we could do that, sir. Yeah, 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 good, good, good. Lord, we come right now, stand in the gap with Brother Arnold, Lord. Lord, he's a active, he's he's needing someone, uh, a maid, to help him, Lord, taking out trash or maybe ah, helping him. Never mind the trash. I wanted to be hot. Tell God upstairs to send me a maid that looks good. Okay. He wants somebody looking good, wherever it takes, Lord. So, Lord, we ask you to hear this prayer and grant us our peace, Lord. Yeah, hot and wild, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make sure she keep. Amen. Amen and amen. 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 Ah, oh, Robin, All right. you, you hit a I'm home ending run. on a high note. Right. religious shows pray for. Praise the Lord. 
Robin, you did very well. I'm very proud of you with your uh, <laughs> ability to tell what religious shows will pray for. Okay, there were a so, few um, surprises. There were a few <laughs> surprises. Hey now. All right, Charlie Puth is here. Hey now. Millions of fans playing Elton John. I think for Charlie because he knows Elton John. He performed with Elton John. They did a song together. He wrote a song with Elton John. So why not? What a great song, right, Charlie? This is a killer, killer song. Hi. Hello. Hey, man. Hey, now. Look at hey you. Hey, now. And, this uh, is Charlie. Surreal. Charlie's in the studio with a guy named Jan. Oh, Jan, tell me how you say your last name. I don't want to screw it up. Oz, Osverin. 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 Where are you from? Jan Osverin. You must be like European or something, right? I'm from London. Yeah, there you yeah, go. I'm European as well, yeah. He's a very you good play, guitar player. Great guitar player? Charlie. Charlie, are you very difficult to work with in terms of picking a guitar player? Because, I mean, this is a guy who went to Berkeley School of Music on a free ride. I mean, they, he got a full scholarship, you know? Was there I, no I, one I, in the United States who could play for him, Howard? No one. He I had to go it. to England. Charlie decided that no one was that talented in the United States and that Jan was the only dude who could uh, play guitar. So talk about that, Charlie. I, I, I think Jan will, you'll, you'll sometimes get irritated with me when we were making this record because I'm a piano player and I have all the, if you can, can you hear this piano when I play it? Let me see. It's, Let's see. Play, hit a couple of notes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have all these keys in front of me and I know when playing guitar, there's certain limitations. So I'm telling him to play like on, but on guitar and he's like stretching his fingers like, like yeah, that's, free, that like, might not be possible, Charlie. Yeah. So that, for that reason, he gets a little irritated with me. So, Charlie, your point is guitar is a limiting instrument. And you see, I would have thought the opposite. You're saying piano is a composer's instrument because a guitar can't do what you need it to do. Of, of course, in my opinion, I, I'm also um, super envious of guitar players because um, there's a certain you look a lot cooler playing the guitar on stage. Number one, yes. first and foremost, I don't know, you um, look it pretty cool, Charlie. I, but <laughs> I, I have this guitar. It's uh, it's so stupid. I have this guitar that I use on stage that I wrap around my neck and make it look like a guitar, but just so I can move around because I just don't want to sit down the entire time while I'm. Can playing. I tell you, Charlie? You've hit on something. To me, the guitar, you know, the it, it's the silliest instrument ever. But I understand your pain as a piano player. You know, sitting behind the piano when you're mm -hmm. doing a show, when you're on tour, it's like you, mm -hmm. it's hard to connect with the audience. But I've seen Billy Joel do it, and he connects beautifully. He sits there at that piano, he does mm -hmm. his songs, and fuck it, you know, fuck the guitar. He, ne you never see Billy pick up a guitar. <laughs> no, do it. never. But, but never. he has he has so many hit records, and I actually opened up for him uh, in 2016, and. I was just in awe of how it, 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 he just had the crowd, like 60,000 people uh, in the palm of his hands. And I was just getting my career started. Like the, the song that I had was See You Again. And that was like the song that like my only hit at the time. And I'm like, this dude has 60 hits. Like, how am I ever going to be able to match this? Doesn't it blow your mind that a guy, you know, when I meet guys like Billy Joel, we're going to have Bruce Springsteen on the show. When I meet these guys who have a catalog, Paul McCartney, of course, uh, you meet these guys and you go, you know, if you have three hit songs, that's fucking impressive. You meet these guys mm -hmm. who have 60, 70, 100 great songs. How is that possible? 
Well, what's really, you mentioned Paul and Bruce. Um, I uh, will bring up Paul first. I'm, when I heard, uh, 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 every day she takes a morning lesson, that's a rare, So Wings, so, such a different sounding, uh, record when he used to play a So you start on the F7. The, the genius of Paul is that he utilizes chromaticism. When I say chromaticism, like the notes that are... That's a minor second. If I fell in love with like that, it's all over the place, wow. yet approachable in a pop sense. And all right, I'm not able... a musician. Wait a second. Let me understand what you're saying. You're saying, because I want to understand this. You're, you, you are able to detect that Paul McCartney does a weird thing with the notes he chooses. Mm -hmm. That they're not, what are they? They're not monochromatic? So you have, you have a very song like, um, Free Fall in Tom Petty. And I'm free. Free falling. Three, oh, three, two, one. One, two, three. If this is one, that song's in F major, Jan's favorite key. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one. It's very simple, which is why that song is incredibly popular in some songs by uh uh, uh like y y like james taylor are a little bit less popular but like m have more uh more of an established cult following like uh that's actually uh, uh like a really big hit of his uh when there's more density in the melodic intervals I, and tell me if i'm going if i'm just no going. you know what you're hitting into there's something i wanted to ask Bruce Springsteen about that I don't mm -hmm. know how to articulate because I'm not a musician. There I were certain moments in his songs. Well, here, okay. So help me form this question because uh -huh. you seem to you seem to get it. There are certain songs when you were just playing free falling. As you hit certain notes, I get the chills. I get like uh -huh. literally it runs up my spine. Uh -huh. I think in writing hit songs, there's got to be a certain trick. It's like with painting, there are certain tricks you can do to 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 bring the the person into the painting. I think yeah. there are certain things Bruce does, and you do, and you know, really good musicians know how to do. There's certain notes they hit, mm -hmm. like when you were doing the McCartney thing, Michelle, my belt. But I don't uh -huh. know how to articulate the question. I just know the feeling I get. It's tension. That feeling you're describing is tension and release. So you take a song like. Um uh, we'll do an easy Bruce song, like Hungry Heart. Like he, it's a very Bruce Springsteen chord progression. Like, where's it gonna go? So you have D flat, B flat, E flat, E flat, which is just four chords, and it starts on major. It's super happy. All 60,000 people in Giant Stadium. Where's it gonna go? It's gonna go to the minor, which is the emotional. It's kind of the complete polar opposite of a major chord. La, la, la. Yet the audience and him and and Clarence at the time were playing da, 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 the major second, very easy interval. La, la, la. Different chord, same melody. La, la, la. And Howard, you're probably like, where's it gonna go next? It's gonna go to another. But it doesn't. One, if you just ended there, like your brain and ear wants it to go to the A flat sus, which is what this chord is called. And you, do you think? But but Charlie, do you think Bruce is aware of what you're saying when he's writing it? 
Maybe not. I've uh, I, I just spoke to him the other day, and I actually never talked to him about um, music. We always just talk about New Jersey because we're both from there. But I think no. It, what's great about the genius of Bruce Springsteen is, is that it's all within. It, it's all feeling, and I think that's uh, the most important about writing a song. Is I can I can talk about six ways to Sunday about like the whatever, but it's if it's not, if it doesn't feel like a human made it no other human is going to relate to it. Right. So in other words, Bruce can't sit down or you can't sit down and go, I know I'll play a major chord, then a minor chord, and that'll make everyone turned on. And then in other words, there's no real formula. So Bruce might not even know what you're talking about right now. He might not even get it about it. He might say, yeah, Charlie's great. And he can, but I didn't even, I just had a little tune in my head. Right. That's what I said. I did this whole spiel backstage to Billy, Billy Joel, and he said the same thing. So I would assume that Bruce would. I, I don't know. Maybe he would have more eloquent explanation, but I, I feel like he would be like, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I was just when I made like when he made uh, uh, when Danny Federici played uh, uh, was Jungle Land tonight. a piece of paper and think okay now i'm gonna go really slow he just played originally that song uh, was uh, we call a retardando and it just slows down at the end but he performed it so many times that he thought okay i'll milk this it's all just feeling and that comes from like playing to an audience and getting real life uh reception and feedback so you speak to Bruce regularly because how did you meet Bruce? We in the at the very beginning of 2020, um, I'd say April 2020, when we were all um, at home, we did a, a New Jersey pandemic relief fund that the governor had put on. Uh, um, it was all on Zoom, and uh, I played um, uh, growing up. The Asbury Park, which where I'm from in Rumson isn't far from Asbury Park. So I, uh, in I think uh, John Landau had emailed my manager and said that Bruce was really touched by that. And I, I'll never forget getting a call from the seven three two number. That's a New Jersey area code. Right, said, Charlie. Uh, I, you know, you, you get full body chills when you hear Bruce's music. I get that when I hear his voice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What a, you know, that's a pinch me moment, right? Where you go, wow, Bruce Springsteen's calling me and he's telling me I did a good job. Can I be honest? This talking to you right now is the pinch me moment. I know a lot of people come on here and they're first, this is my first time speaking with you, but, um, you're a huge reason why I wanted to like get into quote unquote media. I've been listening to you. My mom's been listening to you. We've been listening for like 20 years. Wow. Well, thanks for that. That's awesome. I know I mean, the uh, original key to Robin's song. Like, I know that the I know the Robin music changed in 2010. Like, to that brash, horrible sounding whatever that. Was. Can she you went, play went some on a trip. of? Can you play some of the Robin uh, theme music for us? Well, the the old one from the old one from '95 sounded like a very uh, atmospheric. <laughs> yeah. And, and then in two thousand, right when I went to Berkeley in twenty ten, it became. I'll never. I was pissing my pants with laughter. It became. <laughs> 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 
like where, yes. It's, well, the, wait, she needed a change. <laughs> she, she needed a change. I think. Uh, and, <laughs> do you have a favorite whack packer? Do you go that deep? Do you have someone that you love? Yeah, Who I is do. It? Um, I, I like uh, uh, Jeff the Drunk a lot. Jeff the Drunk. I like yeah, Jeff a lot. I think he means me, well. Uh, here, wait a second. Uh, Jeff, is you hear he that? <laughs> Big star like uh, Charlie Puth loves you, man. How do you like Holy that? You're his shit. favorite whack packer. Thank you. Jeff, your that voice has amazing. cleared up over the years. He's so good on the air, isn't he? I know. But, Look at know. him just reeling off those comebacks. <laughs> Jeff and Marianne. I liked Eric a lot. Rest in peace, oh. Eric. Eric the actor. Yeah, we all love yeah. him. Eric the actor. All right, Jeff. Great. Way to seize the moment. Thank you. Bye-bye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was like, He'll, hey. Next even, week, even be, that, why the, don't the, you pick up on me? Right. The, his, his voice, his resonance in his voice. I remember it was rough in the beginning. It was very yes. uh, That sounded very right. good. Yeah. And uh, you must be a big fan of Robin singing also with uh, all the different vocal performances uh, over the years. And, uh, you know, I hope here's you miss the, here's those. The <laughs> no, I, I, I know every single one. Here's the thing, Robin, you might go off pitch frequently, but your the, the tone and resonance in your voice is really good. So yeah. I could I could make I if I had your vocal in a studio, I could make you sound good. Really? Wow. Wow, I've never heard that before. That's really nobody uh, has they, ever said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, yeah. It's, it's good. You have a good resonance. There was even a rumor that you followed uh, Medicated Pete on Twitter. That you are actually uh, a follower of his. I, 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 Keffy, and I ran into him at Starbucks in Red Bank. And <laughs> yeah, as like, we all do. Uh, as we all do. This was 2013. I wasn't even signed, and I said, "Hey, I know this is weird, but I know you're from the Howard Stern show." And he kind of hunched over and it was it was uh, autumn. So he was ordering a pumpkin latte and he kind of didn't even look me in the eyes. But uh, it was good enough for me. I, I shout out to Pete. Getting back to you sitting there with the piano. And, uh, and by the way, Charlie has a new album out. That's what he's here to promote. He's going to do a couple of songs along with Jan. But uh, I'm fascinated by this. So when you open for Billy Joel. And uh, then you get a friendship going with him where you can talk to him yeah. about music. The, the the problem is you can't talk to these guys about music because you feel it's uncool, right? And I don't understand yeah. that. To me, talking to you about music would be fascinating. So you can't say to Billy, hey, Billy, when you wrote, uh, you know, Summer Highland Falls, uh, mm -hmm. what were you, you can't, it must be frustrating for you to meet these guys and not talk music. Well, with Billy, it was kind of a, you know, there's a lot going on backstage and I'm sure the last thing he wants to deal with is a, a kid at the time, me, and a big fan, asking him how he wrote. Good night, my angel. Time to close your eyes. But like, I, I, I feel like emailing him after this and be like, how? Why, number one, why haven't you put out an album in thirty years? And how did you? How do you incorporate? Like Paul McCartney does. How are you so good at making the most complex classical pieces of music? And uh, integrating them into pop music. Phil, you know, Phil Collins did that one time, like, and a groovy kind of love written by Carol Barrow Sager. I forget who the compo who's the composer of that, Jan? Bach. I think it's, it's Bach. Yes, Howard. It's Bach. Of course. Come on, guys. Get with it. Yeah. <laughs> but he made it a pop song. But I always right. want, I, I just never want to be a burden. I want to be the easiest guy to talk to in the room. 
Uh, you are not the first musician to say that, that they know these iconic guys, heroes, you know, like uh, Elton John or Billy Joel or Bruce Springsteen. And they get in the Paul McCartney, they get in a room with them and they're not allowed to talk music. It's like this unwritten rule, you know, yeah, we're not going to talk about music. Meanwhile, it would be such a wonderful conversation to share that. Is there no musician I'm talking about in that category that you can't mm-hmm. go to and just say, hey, I-, I would love to talk to you about music? Well, Elton, I feel like I'm name dropping a lot, but Elton. No, John you're is, not. Elton John is my neighbor, and uh, I can walk over to his house quite literally. Um, he and I talk about the charts. Uh, he called me yesterday and said that my album's doing really well, and he was like, Con- mm-hmm. "Congratulations, you're number, uh, I think, top ten in Europe, which is a first for me." Um, so I talk to Elton a lot about like the performance of music, but I. I remember when he we wrote his song. We wrote the first song for his album. It started off his album, the the lockdown sessions. And this man just sat down at my Rhodes eighty. I have a Rhodes eighty eight keyboard. He just sat down and started playing the song. Like usually, like with music, working with musicians nowadays, like you have to do a couple of takes and then copy and paste some of the waveforms and uh, make it sound a certain way. The song was three minutes. He played three minutes of what the piano part all i did was just one time copy and paste it and just drop it in to uh so even then i didn't ask him how he did that because i was just in such awe of how he. what do you think did he have it prepared or did he just come up with it right on the moment kind of like what we were talking about bruce before where you don't really you don't prepare and plan these things out it's just he sat down it was a new environment he had never been in my house it was kind of a awkward first exchange where we didn't want to step on each other's toes musically but he just caught a vibe and sat down and just played and very elton he always does that uh, on because uh, losing everything is like the sun very gospel driven so he kind of pulled his gospel chops out that day so the dude you meet him he sits down he says where's your piano and uh, or whatever your keyboard and then yeah. he, he he just gets right down to business but boom here, here's what i got in my head right there that's i think what every great musician does is they kind of just take note of their surroundings and kind what of would, what's the name of the song on your new album where you uh, wrote it in the shower it came to you in the shower i'm always fascinated by that um, I wrote a lot of these songs in the shower. The one I documented is actually Loser. Wasn't it Light Switch? Oh, wasn't it Light, Light Switch? Light Switch and Loser. Light Switch I made in the, uh, uh, at Conway, the studio in Hollywood. Um, and, uh, kind of realized the only reason why I made that TikTok that blew up is that I just, it was such a weird sounding song. I didn't know if it would be, uh, I, I didn't know if people would like it. So I kind of just test the waters by putting it on the internet early. And that's unusual for a music. That's a whole new uh, way of putting out music, really. Uh, you don't wait around for an album release. You go on TikTok, you write a yeah. new song, you test it out on the audience, and you see if they like it. Right. Well, I had parted ways with um, my last record label, and I used to run everything through them. And if they gave me the green light, then I would... Um, allow myself to continue to work on the song but there was a time period where they thought i had to work with 15 different producers i it it was a it it got a little messy so when but and it was amicable it was it was a nice parting of ways um and when i 
I felt like I was flying alone. I didn't, I suddenly didn't have a record label. I did, but I didn't have the people that I was used to working with. Um, so I turned to the internet and uploaded the song early to kind of gauge the interest of the audience if they would like to hear something like that. And then that video went completely viral. And then it's kind of what catapulted this whole album. Yeah, but isn't that dangerous? If you know, like sometimes, like I don't read anything someone says on the internet. Like if someone says, like, uh, I don't like when Howard does an impression of his mother. And if I read one comment like that, I go, oh, I'm not doing that anymore. But there's a ton of people who do like, you know what I mean? You can't, if you get influenced by people, you might turn away a good song. That's very, very true. But for me, it's less, and you know, it, it's less about actually collaborating on the specifics of the music. It's more about just, capture i hate using the word vibe but it's just capturing the vibe one of the things that the pandemic the pandemic took away from me was the ability to perform in front of my my fans i would get off stage play, having played for 10 15 000 people and i would go in my bus where there's a studio set up and i would make a song and just off based off the feeling and great feeling that i got from that audience and i tried to recreate that on the internet i guess you know, I, I just sitting here watching you talk about music in a way is so fascinating. And also, like, even the way you just start playing other people's songs. When you're in concert, do you do other people's songs? Do you, um, you know, even the way you got mm. started, kind of discovered, was through that Adele song that you did. And yeah. I, yeah, that, I mean, it's beautiful when you just did it. I love that. Never mind, I'll find someone like you. It's still, to this day, one of my favorite songs. And again, it's really major. Where's it going? Minor. That's why... That, that's why that chord progression, you hear songwriters joke around all the time about how the same four chords are used in every song. It, well, for a good reason, because when you have, when a human hears tension release, tension release, and they can feel where it's going without having to, um, or having the need to eloquently musically explain it like I am. Not, I'm not even explaining it that well, but it just, it's, it's just, it, it's, it, it's like cracking your knuckles, but for sound. It's but I get relief. I get I get frustrated even like when you played a little bit of that Adele. I go, oh, keep going, keep going, keep doing that. You know, like you just yeah. started playing. You, you started playing your first hit song. I like hearing you kind of just sit at a piano and cover these things. Do you, I, maybe I'll do an album like this one day. One, I, I I might get a lot of flack for this, but one of my favorite Rod Stewart albums is when uh, Clive Davis told him to uh, do the Great American Songbook and. Uh, he did a, uh, uh, never ever change. Keep that broken stone. He did all those American classics. So maybe one day I'll do a bunch of covers. But for right now, I, I got to strike while the iron's hot on the original music, I guess. Yeah, no, absolutely. Is, is music constantly going through your head? Are you uh, yeah. one of these guys? Is it kind of a, sweet torture i mean you can't seem to turn the sounds off in your head to the point where i mean i've seen you do it on uh, jimmy's show and other shows mm -hmm. where you'll hear a burp and then you go oh that's b flat um mm -hmm. you hear a door close and you go oh that's because you have perfect pitch and and you go mm -hmm. and it's really cool to watch you do it but i was thinking this dude must be tortured because yeah, in a I way you can't turn off sound and music no and it's getting worse too um when I think when I first realized I had 
perfect pitch or absolute pitch. I was um, playing in a church in New Jersey and the organist didn't show up. And having gone every Sunday, I'd hear the same only, 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 um, and I'd hear the same music over and over again. So they were about to play the whole mass on church. And I was like, I'll just go up there and play it from memory, thinking that it like that is just like if you read a paragraph in a book uh, a certain amount of times you're going to end up memorizing it i thought everybody could do that but right. I, it, I i was able to i guess distract myself when i was a bit younger from it and even last night i didn't sleep at all which actually worked in my favor because i had to be up really early for this which is my pleasure you couldn't sleep because you heard so many sounds and music in your head yeah like even even now in this uh i got a like sometimes turn it off in my mind. Like if I listen, there's like a little hum, which is, and I'm trying to like tell myself, just listen to Howard, stop uh, playing. <laughs> you know, you have to say something because now I'm distracted by it. It's what do you distract? Play I, for me. What's distracting you? Get it out of your system. What are you hearing now in your head? So whoever's listening to this right now is not going to be able to hear this, but there's a sound. And it sounds like an amp being like, you know, like when you plug a guitar in, you know, like when you plug a guitar in an amp, you get that. Yes. It's the, you're we're bound to get radio frequencies crossing because we have like a lot of electronics in here. But I'm hearing it's so faint. It's like negative 120 decibels or something. But I just now now that I've talked about it enough, I can move on from it. But right. To answer your question in short, yes, I am quite a tortured person from the get-go, and adding this sound thing is just—is it, it like um, worse. is it like obsessive compulsive disorder in a way? Because uh, you know, I let, let let's say you're on a date with a woman or something, mm -hmm. I would think you would be a kind of guy who gets distracted. All right, you're into her in the beginning, but then mm -hmm. after you like just kind of calm down, they probably say to you, Charlie, you're so absent or distant because your mind is being wow. called in another direction wow you know the yes you use the correct i i have been described in the past as the word absent and distant and aloof it's funny no one's ever you're very hmm, you're very good um i yeah no i don't um it's it's almost like you were there with me just now on the on all those uh dates in the past um, well, well, i have been why. described as that i'll tell you why because i yeah. since i was a little kid i'd hear radio shows in my head and i've never found anything more interesting in life than those radio shows that are playing in my head i hear them all the time wow. it's like I, I go oh my god that's good i should do that on the air what do you mean so you'd hear what like like talk radio shows or like the intro music to the to no the radio talk shows? radio I, I hear a constant radio show in my head full of ideas and bits and i go oh i should grab that one right out of the sky and i could do that on the air i'll tell the guys about it i'll tell i'll tell robin about it you know i'll and, hear and it you're most you're you're sorry to cut you off i definitely don't want to do that too no, much cut me off. but i i i you're probably so when you were because this is interesting so you're hearing radio shows in your head and i'm hearing music in my head i would assume that you're paying attention to not only the diction of how um whoever you were listening to was speaking but like the pitch and and and, and tone of their voice in mandarin um chinese it's the, the the pitch of your vocal the, the, of your voice is so dependent on what you're trying to communicate if you go off pitch one thing if, if you say bougie dao i'm not saying it right but if you say 
Bujidao, it's it mean it could mean a completely different thing. I'm sure there's someone who avidly speaks Chinese is screaming out their radio right now, but uh, you're probably paying attention to how the speaker is speaking. I'm paying attention to that as well, but with melody attached to it. And I think yeah, that's no, really amazing. the reason why it's you're amazing. so good at what you do. I, uh, I, I tell you, I cannot believe what you're explaining to me. And I like how you dissect songs. It, 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 it almost seems to me, I mean, your parents must have been really proud of you because like, I know I took piano lessons and my piano teacher killed himself. And, uh, it was, I was so bad. Yeah. I was so horrible at it that I couldn't, I couldn't, it was terrible. I couldn't grasp the concept. When you, did you take piano lessons? You have formal lessons as a kid? I don't mean to laugh at that. Like, what, oh, wow. yeah, I've laughed at it many it, times. But was it after working with you on the piano? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the oh, guy terrible. used to beg my mother. He'd say to her, please, he's got to stop taking lessons. And, and my mother would hide wow. upstairs in her bedroom because my wow. father said he should take lessons. And the guy just wanted, he just wanted out. Well, he got out. But he did it the ultimate way, you know. It was very sad. Oh, that's that's very sad. When, yeah. when my when piano teachers would say crazy things to my mom, she would be like, "Okay, I'm going to do the opposite." Like, a, I had a I bought my first synthesizer at ten years old, and my piano teacher at the time, this hoity-toity like fucking like piano school conservatory, he was like, "He has to throw that away immediately. No, what you cannot play it, practice classical pieces on a." computer synthesizer so i just she just bought me another one well they suck the fun out of it right i mean you're they having fun, fun with music yeah so 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 in other words from an early age when you sat down at the piano and i imagine this for jan too or he sat down at the guitar so in other words everyone must have recognized that you had natural ability right or was it putting in the ten thousand hours that got you this good at the piano and writing music I, I, I got a lot of attention when I was right. um, younger and I kind of liked it. I'd be lying if I said I didn't. I would uh, go to uh, my parents' house if they, someone had a piano. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be like nine years old and be like, have you ever heard, um, uh, stayed in bed and morning just to pass the time. Have you, do, you, do you want, are you interested in hearing the whole album of Carol King's <laughs> Tapestry? Because I have it in my head. And I just, I, I liked the attention kind of in a similar way where I love performing for my fans on stage. I, I'm, uh, but I've never been like ultra vain about it. I don't think at least. And so why were you, great, it's just, it's such a great way to connect with people, just playing an instrument, you know, and, and yeah. Oh yeah. And, and getting laid, I bet. If I could have had that, uh, I mean, it's the greatest thing. I mean, I, let's be I, I honest. Cer I, I certainly wasn't doing get it, having that happen without this piano in front of me. This is my confidence booster. Yeah, well, you, um, I, I think Billy Joel would say the same thing. Elton John too. You know, I mean, all, all piano players would say that. But, but yeah. with you, you describe yourself as a bullied kid. You know, you were a yeah. guy who got bullied. I don't know how bad your bullying was. I, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I took a mm -hmm. lot of shit. Um, yeah. Uh, I think I you probably think, had a bit worse than me at Roosevelt. Yeah, how bad was your how bad was your bullying? It was never, and I understand it goes on. It, it was never anything physical, super physical with me. I like wasn't in a classic way shoved in lockers. It was right. more um, just psychological, like kind of people making fun of me for hearing stuff constantly and uh, being able to imitate noises. And uh, I, I was uh, perceived as um, being like 
annoying and kind of a know-it-all and very oh. uppity. But was there a moment where in your school you got up on stage in front of those people and started playing and then all of a sudden they shut the fuck up because they're like, shit, look at this guy. I mean, come on, you can play. No, actually, I'd love to. I'd love to say that yes, I had this glorious moment. I got up on the talent show and I started singing it. I, I actually, uh, the first time I performed in front of people, I didn't even sing. I I, I beatboxed, which is just you know, uh, like humming and making beats with your mouth because it it was like a good way to get my feet wet. I just couldn't get up in front of a. I went to a football high school. I just couldn't get up in front of those kids and sing. You were shy. I viciously shy. I was shouldn't shy today. I was so nervous to get uh, uh, sit here right now and talk to you. I've been listening to you for so long. Now I'm good. But good. it remind that feeling of when I first sat down. We were doing a little sound check before. It, it reminded me of uh, the prolonged feeling that would last for weeks in high school. What do you? Um, so so let me understand how this works. You're, you're, you're so brilliant at music, they give you a free ride to Berkeley, which is like yeah. the creme de la creme, right? I mean, no, you don't have to pay to go. They, they, they want you so bad. What do you do? You go to Berkeley and you say, uh, they give you an audition and they hear you play and they go, Jesus, you're so good. We don't even want to charge you a dime for this. I, I, I suppose that's how it goes. I feel to this day, I, I feel very fortunate. And, uh, to this day, I tell them I'll do anything, uh, for them, whatever, use my, whatever celebrity I have to promote Berkeley and encourage, uh, kids to make music and go to school for it. It was those, those were really formative years of my life attending Berkeley. What is going to Berkeley for someone like you? Like, like, I bet you half the teachers you looked at and went, the guy's not that fucking talented. I bet you looked at some of these people as like, I know more than them. Well, it's, <laughs> I guess that's where people thought I was, were a little pompous. They were right. Cause I, I definitely would say that in private to my mom, I guess now public. Um, but it's not that I knew more than them. It's just, Again, going back to Bruce and how he and Billy and, and, uh, uh, and Elton John, how they write music. It's all feeling based. You can know everything under the sun. Like Whitney Houston was the best singer alive. She was the, I, I believe there will never be another, uh, uh, another singer like Whitney and she could sing away the, around the sun, but she chose to sing. Oh, I want to dance with somebody. She could be like, like all all up and down the keyboard but she kept it even on the national anthem after uh, when she performed during the persian gulf war uh, oh, say, she slowed it down it, it, it just she elongated it and made it easier for those who can't sing like whitney that she was able to make all everyone sing with her um and i just always got down on these teachers at berkeley who were telling me i had to memorize things that were written in the 17th century which by the way we don't even know if that's actually how it was intended to be written by mozart or bach or whoever it's we just have it written on paper who knows if the publisher even messed up i i just don't understand like the uh, the, the lack of feeling that some of the teachers would um, have when making music and how you just had to be by the books. I think they've made some improvements uh, at the school since then, but um, I wish it was a little bit more open-minded uh, when I studied there. Wouldn't it have been a classic failure 
if you didn't become the success you became in music? It would have been like insane because here you have all this musical knowledge. You have all this ability. And I'm sure you knew tons of people at uh, Berkeley College of Music in Boston, by the way, not Berkeley out in California. I'm talking about. Yes. But yeah, you could imagine that that, that I'm sure you saw guys with super big talent. They can't connect, right? They can't make a living in music. Because sometimes they're just too good. And too good can be unapproachable by someone who's getting in their car, dropping kids off at school, and going to work. Sometimes you don't want to be in avant-garde land. You just want to... And I'm free. So good. Countless examples of simple songs, but are are complex if you want them to be complex, if you really want to analyze them. Jeez, I love when you start playing like Free Fall, and that's so much fun. I love it, man. That's so good. Yeah. Come on, man. Let it rip. Go ahead. Okay. You know you're dying to. though it was kind of like the the turn point in uh going into the 90s it had that fat snare not the super hair metal 80s snare like it was it don't even miss her i'm a bad boy breaking her heart and i'm free oh see okay so that's a good example of tension so he's holding that a natural and i'm free There's nowhere to go but down. What, are you going to go up? Like, no, you're going to go down. It's where the human ear naturally wants to go, and there's no way to analyze that. It's just human feeling. I don't understand why you, like Billy, Joe, Bruce Springsteen, you guys should all get together and jam and see what happens. I don't get it. Do it. I want to, and I want Robin to sing and actually... Have the first recording of her sounding. No, but I'm not kidding. Charlie, Charlie, for a second. I don't understand why musicians don't do more. Maybe too many guys would be like the Traveling Wilburys made sense to me that they all got Mm. together in a room and made music together. It would be awesome. I think I I don't know. Again, I just don't want to be a nuisance, especially to people that I've grown up listening to that I now have access to. I don't want them ever to like ignore my phone call so i just right. I, I i i like they'll be like hey charlie puth is an asshole he calls up and the next thing you know he's begging me to uh write with him or something right i get it you're you're right. you're, you're, you're you're smart that way or maybe if i, I had your have talent- nothing to add maybe, maybe maybe i have nothing to add to um bruce's career i know he's he he's very uh set in um his musical ways of how he's able to uh uh, uh uh, to put out a record maybe he doesn't need you know chord progressions like that or maybe he does i've just never asked him bruce if you're listening i know you are i know you listen to the yeah. show 
Absolutely, he's listening. He's glued to every word. Um, <laughs> so, so describe to me, because I like this origin story, and we got to get to some songs from the new album. You guys yeah. are going to do a bunch of songs, but I'm really curious about this moment in your history. Mm-hmm. So when you're at Berkeley and you're a student, Perez Hilton, the, yeah. the gossip columnist, puts out online a call. He says, anybody with talent who can sing, why don't you send me a video? I'm going to have a contest. I guess it was a money prize or something. I don't know. I think it was to be featured on his blog, which at the time was like, really I mean, popular. like massive. Right. And you and I guess a fellow student at Berkeley, uh, Emily Luther, was she a fellow student? Yeah. Okay. Emily, yeah. You guys decide to do that Adele cover, which I yes. can play a little bit of. This is you and your, your fellow student. You don't like the way you sound there? I was, <laughs> and I'm, again, someone else who I'm buddies with now that I, I, I can say this and it won't come off as offensive. I was listening to a lot of early John Mayer, like Room for Squares John Mayer. I am driving. Sorry, John. Uh, but like he was using a lot of his uh, voice and I, uh, <laughs> that in conjunction with James Taylor. So that kind of, I, I just didn't know how to hit the notes without. Uh, reaching my head voice, if that makes oh, sense. So you got better since then. In other words, you would not sing it oh, the same yeah. way. Okay. Oh, I, so, I got way better. So, so again, playing this song. I hide from the light. I hate to turn all out of the blue. Uninvited, but I couldn't stay away. No, I couldn't fight it. I had hoped to see my face, and then you'd be reminded that <laughs> we're running out of breath. <laughs> it isn't over. She had a much better voice than that. What happened to her career? Where is she now? What did she end up doing? I somebody told me recently that she is a uh, music teacher in Rhode Island, which is which is great. I think teachers are great? the most important people in the world. But wait a second, is it great or is it sad? I mean, that girl could sing her ass off. So, in other words, just because you can sing, there's a lot of people who can sing. It doesn't mean you're guaranteed a big career. Well, I think, well, if I weren't doing what I'm doing, I would be a teacher. And I think I kind of do that on TikTok. And I try. I, I, I remember some of my favorite teachers. I hated all of them in high school. But some of my favorite teachers were the ones that made things entertaining um, and I try and make things entertaining and comedic in a way so people like young kids who want to be doing what I'm doing uh, uh, can remember how to do something having learned it in a funny way. Um, so I have a lot of respect for teachers. I think it's great that she's um, a teacher. It certainly is a, a, a simpler life than the life that I lead right now. Sometimes I think about just really going back to Berkeley and teaching. I, I, I really do love teaching. In other words, the pressure of the music business, putting out a hit album, recording and uh, going on tour and all that stuff is like you kind of dream like, oh, shit, would be great to just unload all of that baggage and just have a simpler life. I mean, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't trade my life for anything right now. I I love that I can play for thousands of people and come on here with you and have you be interested in what I have to say about music and talk about my weird hearing thing. But um it's a, it, it, it's a lot sometimes. The music industry is 
a lot different than what it was five years ago, especially 15 years ago. Nobody buys records anymore. Um, there's 70,000 songs coming out a day. Everybody's streaming. You're competing with somebody who has a viral hit. Um, it's really scary and it's, it's the wild west out there right now. It really is. I, I mean, having grown up and, and experienced the sixties and seventies, what a different time for musicians. First of all, they ruled the mm -hmm. world. My generation mm -hmm. loved music. We bought yeah. albums. We yep. studied album art. We worshiped these guys. They were our prophets. Now, I mean, I don't even understand the music business. I don't understand how he makes money. I mean, obviously touring, but I mean, just mm -hmm. releasing music and why bother putting out albums and just put out singles. I mean, it's, it's like such a complex thing. Radio too is like that now. I got tons yeah. of brothers in radio who call me all the time like shit. It's all consolidation. No, we don't know how to make a living in it. It's just so confusing. But, it you is. know, getting back to this though, getting back mm -hmm. to this. So this song that you did for Perez Hilton gets big. I, it's a famous story. Ellen DeGeneres hears it. She puts you on yeah. her show. And Ellen DeGeneres signs you to a record company. She she yeah. decided to start a record company, and she signs you. Yeah. She had a partnership but, with um, Jimmy at Interscope, and uh, it was 11.11 and Interscope, which I was signed to. And you must have thought right then and there, holy shit, this is it. I'm in the promised land. I made it. I, I got yeah, a record I, deal. I'm the guy. I did. I was 19. I remember going back to uh, flying back to Logan Airport and people at the airport recognizing me because they had just watched the show. It was actually the day Steve Jobs passed away. I'll never forget that. Um, mm. When I when I got back to Boston and uh, I remember having holding my first iPhone watching myself perform on the Ellen show. It was, it was surreal. And I remember then I went to this restaurant on Boylston called Boloco and I got a burrito and it was $7. And she uh, was, and I was on the TV and she was like, that's you on the TV. And I'm like, hey, yeah, I was, I just came back from California. She was like, burritos on me. I'm like, wow. Holy yeah, there shit. you go. The more famous you get, the more free shit you get. Like that, that's the more money you get, the more free things you get. That's still, that, that still is true nowadays. I, I'll never forget that. That's the first time I felt like famous, if that makes sense. So explain to me what went wrong. You got the deal, the record deal with Ellen. Is it that, that Ellen kind of lost interest in the record company or what, I mean, what, what, or was it that, that you didn't have the right songs at that point? What was it that went wrong there? It had everything to do with the fact that I wasn't an artist yet. It didn't have right. Ellen wanted to everything to work out and uh, uh, invited us onto her platform, which right. was massive and very nice of her. Um, and I just wasn't ready to be an artist. Like it, you don't just yeah, like even when See You Again came out, I still wasn't ready to be an artist. That was 2014, just a couple years later. But I came from. The, the approach that I was going to be writing for other artists and suddenly now I'm traveling around the world. So uh, the fact that we had to put this album together with Ellen, uh, when I didn't even know how to be an artist and Emily and I didn't necessarily want to be in a duet together. We, our voices right. didn't like really mesh too well together, but we, and then we had to work with, uh, multiple producers who all had different visions. It's just, you have a hundred different visions and one person, Ellen, who just wants everything to work out. It's just kind of out of her and my control. Poor Ellen, when when you when when see you again hits and it becomes a big hit, she's probably like, shit. I had that guy signed to a record deal. Uh, she was probably like beside herself because she really recognized your talent early on. 
There, um, she, she did recognize my talent early on and she was actually the first person to, um, uh, have me come on, uh, and perform it on television. Uh, so that was, <laughs> That's great. That, was, that was, that was very nice of her in full circle. <laughs> I did, there were a couple naysayers, 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 um, who were like, this is a ballad. This will never work. And I, this is the only time I've ever done this, but when it went number one, I just kind of sent the link to their email of the Spotify link. And then they, I never heard back. I'm assuming they, they knew it went number one, but that was kind of dicky of me. I don't do shit like that anymore. Yeah. Oh, I, I do that kind of shit all the time and I'm way older than you, dude. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, 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 just, I learned, love maybe it. I learned it from you. Yeah, absolutely. No, but you know, all the people who said you'd never make it and then you have a number one song with see you again. And you wrote mm -hmm. that for someone else in mind, right? You were writing about a friend of yours that, uh, yeah. I guess you had lost, uh, mm -hmm. right? A death. Uh, yeah, my, my friend Vale, who had passed away on, he died on the, the, the Boston bridge going to MIT and, uh, he always told me that I would have a song in a movie. It was very ominous. I I never understood it when he said it, but he said I would have a song in a movie. And I was in school. I didn't even watch movies. The, the so, guy was in a car accident? Yeah, he got hit on, by a car while he was riding a motorcycle and kind oh. of just died instantly. And uh, a good very friend upsetting, of yours. Very, very, yeah, my best bud, Vale. And uh, I kind of, uh, two years later, went to... Uh, California on Coanga Boulevard at uh, the old Death Row Studios and on floor two it wasn't particularly very nice and they were working on this uh, this song it had these chords which are the see you again chords but it had like this really synthy like it was a dance song because those were really popular at the time these type of rappy dance songs and we just kept layering since we just kept adding shit and adding shit and adding shit and it wasn't really going anywhere and there was i i was like okay i gotta delete everything i'm a nobody i just came from new jersey but i gotta delete all this shit right now and instead of hearing i was like guys what if it was just simple like And then just out of my mouth, it's been a long day. Because I was thinking about my friend. Without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. And it was basically, that would be my message to him if I had one more thing to say to him before he passed away. And you were writing that with these guys ostensibly to sell a song to somebody else, right? See You Again mm -hmm. was for someone else in your mind. Like, you were just a songwriter. Yeah. You're not going to perform it. Oh, we had 10 artists cut it. We had Jason Derulo cut it. We had Chris Brown cut it. I think Adele wanted to cut it at one point. I think Eminem was on the line to do it. Um, we had countless uh, of artists uh, do it but nothing felt again going back to the theme of the day going back to the feeling like how bruce writes his music it just didn't have none of the vocals had like the feeling they didn't go through what they might have experienced some form of loss in their own way but what i was singing about specifically you just couldn't hear it in their voice i think chris brown got the closest to it but it was they ended up uh, lucky lucky me going with my vocal but then there was all this drama like oh who's this kid on youtube singing covers he can't sing for fast and furious there was a whole mess and i i remember the i got to the day of the uh, the day of the video shoot i got there and they were like you're not on the song anymore so i went home but then 
I suddenly was on the song again, so they added another fucking day to the video, so I had to go back, and that's why uh, it was it was what a struggle. What is a, a number one song, but I had to work backwards for a really long time. And, and the weird thing myself. is, you were the writer of the song, and look at the struggle. Like, you wrote that song, and you're I still struggling. I produced the record. Yeah. I wrote and produced the record, and I'm still... I'm still figuring out how to be an artist. There are people that thought I was, I went to Italy and they were like, are you really playing the piano? Like it was, I was, I had the spotlight on me, but I was being judged. You know, was me. Life is great. <laughs> yeah. But you, what a weird story because if I'm a, a guy who owns the fast and furious franchise or whatever this song is and uh, you tell me Eminem is going to do it, it's almost like I'm like, Hey, that's money in the bank. Fuck yeah. Charlie Puth. I want Eminem because I never heard of Charlie Puth, but I heard of Eminem. And the fact that somebody at least there was smart enough to recognize you had the true emotion behind the song. And, uh, geez, it's a miracle. Yeah. It's like, it's like when you talk to Sylvester Stallone about Rambo, or not about Rambo, about Rocky, they didn't mm -hmm. want him to be in Rocky. They just wanted him to write it. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's, Same it's thing. usually like the bright and brand new ideas that are always met with, uh, uh a lot of pushback. Especially in yeah, art. yeah. What an amazing story! Did you ever consider changing your name? The name Charlie Puth to me when I first <laughs> heard about you, and it was when uh, "See You Again" came out. I thought you were yeah. a country artist because it sounds Charlie Puth sounds to me like a country artist. I don't know why. I, it's funny. I would like to make a country album one day, um, but I, I I never considered. Um, changing it because i was still charlie puth like weirdo charlie puth from uh grade school and playing at talent shows so i just decided to keep my name and i you know hope that people would uh get the pronunciation right one day and they do know what's great what's great about it is it's the ultimate fuck you do they, do, if you change your name they'll never know it's hey that's charlie puth i went to school with him i used to you know i used to beat him up but now you know it's like wow you know the shit out of this kid <laughs> yeah. And, yeah and now he's singing sad songs <laughs> yeah but it's, 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 it's a weird last name though it's so maybe that makes it slightly memorable i don't know it does no i mean now it, it's worked for you which is great but uh you know, I, I, um, I, I would listen. I would love to have you guys play. Now, Jan, are you still okay. awake over there? I mean, oh, I'm, can I'm, you? I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Jan got up You're at 3.30. It wasn't early. Poor Jan. I'm ready. Poor Jan. <sighs> well, Jan came all the way over from England, and now it's 3.30. Over there, it's like 15 o'clock. He doesn't even know what time it is. <laughs> Jan's just um, happy we get to play these songs because I was screaming at him all summer of 2021. Be like, no, play the fucking guitar line like this. Play it separately. But you want to prove me wrong always and like actually like learn the guitar part. In whole, which is the... <laughs> right way to do it i just get impatient the 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 uh Jan, were you there when when charlie recorded these songs in other words when Charlie's yeah i would i would go down to conway every so often and, and he'd have a have a new song in the works and it would just blow my mind every every time it was all throughout 2021 and it was and Jan, you walk in the studio and this this kid is telling you what to do he's yelling at you he's <laughs> saying uh listen you better get this shit right right i mean it's it's pressure for you to get his vision right it it can be, but it's it's something I love doing. That's do. why he's around still. <laughs> you know, yeah. working with with it. Yeah, exactly. Do you guys but, tour together too, Jan? Are you in part of the band? We have we we've toured since 2016. Absolutely. Wow. Since the since the uh, you've been we 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 uh, we play, I don't know if it's changed then, but we performed at the largest show in Cambodia with 50,000 Cambodians, and they were all jumping on top of our car with some real rock star shit. It was oh, crazy. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. 
is it weird, guys? Because it seems to me, are you guys good friends or is it just a working relationship? Both. No, Both. We're, we're, we're good friends. We can grab a bite and oh. not talk about music for like 10 minutes. You, <laughs> you have to be good friends with someone you tour with for that long. That's right. But is it weird, Jan? Because in a sense, you've got to go to Charlie for a raise or to negotiate what you should be getting on tour or what you should be getting paid. Is it a very strange uh, relationship when it comes down to that stuff? How do you guys handle that? We have that? people for that. We, we have, do. Like, you have people to talk to. We have like to, 10 different go through. Yeah. Good. No, All right. So that so, never gets awkward. That's easy. That's it's well easy worth keeping game. him around. He had, you had a lot of value to what I do. I can't play guitar, so I'm fucked if and I don't have him. Around. That's a good thing for me that Charlie can't play guitar. <laughs> Charlie, you can't play guitar. You've never tried. I mean, uh, what? I can. I can play a little bit of uh, uh, "Daughters" by John Mayer, but that's uh, that's uh, no. Please, no. <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> it's, it's 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 horrible, but I, I I can. It's it's frustrating because I can hear all the notes in my head, but I'm just not feasibly able to put my fingers in the right place. But like I can hear the guitar part perfectly in my head and get the notes. But um, it's like it's literally like being a soccer player and not having any legs. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's that's a weird thing. I would just think he could play everything, but uh, what do I know? This uh, this um, this song from the new album is called "Left and Right." Mm -hmm. And you said and it came to you in a dream or something, right? Uh, this song. Well, I I rem I was um listening to Yellow Submarine in the town, da -da -da -da. and who's it? George singing on? I believe it's Ringo. George. Ringo. Yes, yeah. It's Ringo singing. Holy yeah. shit, I was yeah. wrong. Ringo sings <laughs> Yellow Submarine. Wrong. No. Oh, thank um, God I know something you didn't know. Good. <laughs> um, but his voice is on the left side of the speaker. And that uh, I always uh, was curious about that. And there wasn't any Google when I was like eight, nine years old. Or maybe there was. I just didn't know how to use it. And I found out that the reason why that was is due to the recording limitations. Sometimes you'd get... Uh, Paul, or in this case, Ringo's voice on the same side of where the drums are going to be because he only had eight tracks to record on. And I, re I remember falling asleep and being like, I should play with panning in my vocal. I should call the song left and right. And I should sing as if I'm in the inside of my brain, because how many songs have you heard? You take up every corner of my mind. I can't get you off my mind. One, if I was singing in my brain and I was pointing to the direction of my brain, you'd take over this corner of my brain and this corner of my brain. So you won't be able to hear it now because I don't know how much panning ability we have. But if you hear the uh, original version, it's quite creative where you hear this vocal like I'm speaking right now on the left hand side of your headphones and then on going to the right hand side of your uh, headphones, kind of theatrical in a way. This song is called uh, Left and Right. Picture panning back and forth in Charlie's head. Mm -hmm. And the new album is Charlie. Here are the boys. This is Charlie and Jan doing their thing. Charlie and Jan. <laughs> Take up every corner of my mind Ever since the day you went away Don't know how, how to erase your body from out my brain Wonder now, maybe I should just focus on me instead On the nights we were tangled up in your bed Oh no, oh no You're gone 
a mouthful you just said wow that's a mouthful it's a mouthful because you in the studio version you have a bunch of uh, overdub vocals going yeah so when i'm in the verse i'm like what you gonna do now i should have background singers with me but i'm doing it all myself up here well, i love that i love when you do it all yourself something about stripped down just sounds so good right it, it's fun because i'm kind of in control of what's uh in my mind it's it's a pleasure having Jan here uh, kind of backing me up but uh uh it, it it is fun being by yourself sometimes yeah are you jealous of like an ed sheeran who can just go up by himself like like the uh, he like in a way that takes a lot of balls right just to be so stripped down like that it is i i i don't think i'm as good of a singer as ed live the fact that he can belt out those notes um just so effortlessly and kind of not even think about it yeah i, I guess i am pretty jealous of that <laughs> another good friend of mine are you uh are you, you're good friends with him, your pals with him i can see you guys We're on uh, the same record label so i obviously look up to him and in, in in many respect and his successes uh, I, I hope that i can reach that amount of success in my career you hang with him we last i saw him the answer is no. We don't hang every day, but I see him uh, like at the Global Citizen Festival at Courtney Cox's house. Uh, I have a lot of famous friends, clearly, <laughs> and yes, uh, I, I I I enjoy hearing him talk about um, uh, music, and you know, like when when you see someone like Brandy Carlile who can just sing her way around the sun, it's just every note is flawless, and 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 Ed, same thing. 
I'm like, I, I, I need so much help on, on stage with my vocal. I'm like, how do I even, how am I even allowed to sit near these people right now? But I've, I've gotten over myself over the years and I've found them very entertaining to when talk you, to. When you go to Courtney Cox's house, are you part of that whole uh, musical jam session they have over there? Like Courtney hits yeah, the drums a, and yeah, Johnny. She, Courtney's, Courtney's really getting good at it and Johnny as well. Courtney's really getting good at a, a piano. And she has a whole song book. It's, it's a fun karaoke night. Um, you know, we're, we, we stuff our faces. So I don't know how much anybody wants to really sing at the very, very end of the night after eating all that delicious food. Um, but, uh, it, it, it's always fun going over Court's house. Boy, that sounds like fun to me. And then all these musicians are hanging out and everyone starts jamming. I mean, come on. What, what's better I than that? If you would have told me this in college would be happening to me, I'd be talking to you. And I, <laughs> it, it, it really is, it, it's cheesy, but it really is a pinch me moment. I got marks on my arm from pinching so much. What, uh, uh, Charlie, what is the best jam session you ever had at Courtney Cox's house? Like who was there and who was playing? And you said, you know, this isn't too bad. This is actually sounding good. Yeah, it probably, I think backing up ed on a team and playing just being able to and, and having brandy sing harmonies on it, it it's just it, it's insane the, she blows but, my mind that brandy carlisle i uh yeah, she, I, she blows my mind too i've had her on a bunch of times and uh she just did a a, a concert austin city limits it was so good yeah. it's just so so intensely good i mean every song and when she covers madman across the water i mean it's it's maybe even better than than the Elton John version, maybe I, I'm sure. Uh, you know what? I, I'm, I was thinking about my. I'd like to not change my answer, but when I, when I got to sing "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me" with Elton John and Joni Mitchell, and just I didn't even sing. I was just playing the piano, and then where was this? And this was at Joni's house, and I believe Court was there, and we. It, it was a "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me" into Love Potion number nine. And oh. hearing, I, I didn't sing at all. I just accompanied and just hearing Joni sing just chills all around my body. Joni sang with Elton on Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. She sang a little harmony and Elton, I, uh, Elton sang uh, his parts and she kind of like backed them up a little bit. And then she, and, and then uh, because Brandy, I believe, puts those together as well. And she uh, told Joni, just, you know, give everyone a taste of it and she sang the whole song and we were all like i think everybody was crying it's it was profound and you were the piano player i was just in the background <laughs> but oh my god were you nervous playing it did you, did you fuck it up or no. did you no i i i uh i didn't know love potion number nine as well as i knew don't let the sun go down on me but i uh i, I did a good job of stay i think the best bands are the bands that don't play over each other and i think the best people that play with each other don't um, allow other musicians to play. Like, uh, did you think I was playing over you just now, Jan? I, I think oh, it's, it, we we all mend together. That's the, how it sounds. Organically, we yeah, we 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 look for the space to yeah to play. Yeah. When you were part of your career was writing songs for other people before you decided that you could uh, record these songs yourself. When 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 you rec you know you ha you you did uh, Katy Perry, uh, you did uh, Adam yeah. Levine, some Maroon Five, uh, Lips on You. I was a corny YouTuber. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, you, again, it, was it frustrating to you to hear Maroon Five record your song and say, "Maybe I should have done it myself"? Why? Why is everyone else getting the glory of my songs? Mm. 
No, because it was never meant to be for me. I, I wrote um, this song called Stay by uh, Justin Bieber and Kid Leroy. It goes, I do the same thing I told you that I never wanted. It was a big song on pop radio, and it has the DNA musically of me interwoven through it, but Leroy wrote that hook, and it was just never meant to be for me. So I never, with, with all the songs that I write, if they're not meant to be for me, it just is what it is. But, but let me ask you this: the the um, when Justin Bieber and Kid Leroy do stay, I went and watched the video of that, and I'm watching it, and it's got like two billion hits or something crazy, yeah. two billion streams, and all these kids underneath are writing, "This is the most beautiful song ever. I love this song so much. I can't believe how great Justin Bieber and Kid Leroy are." Blah 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 blah, and I'm like, they don't fucking know that Charlie Puth wrote this thing while Some they're sitting did. there. A lot of them didn't, and it was like yeah. I would think that that would frustrate the fuck out of me if I was the guy who wrote it. It just, for whatever reason, it just, and, and I mean this genuinely, it just, it doesn't. I I will listen to that song, um, in my car and be like, wow, I love the drums that I did on this record, and I'm so happy for the success that um, it, that these two have had with this song, and. Honestly, the song is so hard to sing live. I'm almost glad I don't, <laughs> I don't sing it, but maybe, maybe I'll do a cover of it or something. But I, I just, I, I love the fact that I was behind the scenes on that one. There's a lot of instant, like there's a record, an R and B record I wrote called Slow Motion for Trey Songs that I made in 2015. And you'd never guess that I wrote and produced that record because I'm a pop guy, but they played in like strip clubs. And I, I just, I, I love being behind the curtain as much as in front of the curtain. Really? God, what is that? So play play a little of that song. What was that song you wrote? So it, it was really easy, uh, uh, a really easy hook. It was a slow motion. Whoa, 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 whoa. We could take, we could take, we could take our time, baby. And the song, the, the, the funny thing about that song is that it was in double time in the verse, and then... And then went halftime. AKA slow. Slow We could take our time. There's just a, it's it's theatrical in a way. And sure, maybe I'll do a cover of that one day or include it in my set with Jan. But I just love again that I had something to do with that. I could, you know, to do. Barry Manilow used to do that. He'd go on stage and say, I used to be a jingle writer for commercials. And he'd go up and perform a set of just all the commercials he had written and done. And the audiences went nuts. I mean, it was he would do his McDonald's commercials and all that kind of cool stuff. I would think a little set of you saying, by the way, I wrote these songs and you probably don't know it. And if you did a little like, you know, bam, 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 like a, me uh, a medley of those, it would mm -hmm. be very exciting, I would think. Maybe a future album. Maybe we'll do, I'll do the covers album and then I'll do, I'll call the album songs you didn't know I wrote. That'd be <laughs> right. Cool. I would buy, I would buy that album. I'm looking for an album like that. Let's talk about this next song, Loser. Yeah. Some people have said yeah. this song is really lose her. Yeah. Lose her. Well, that's in the lyric. Um, when you say lose her really fast, lose her, it sounds like loser. Because at the time, what I was going through, I felt like I had lost someone who added a lot of value to my life because I was just being an idiot and running around L.A. So at the time, 
I remember repeating this sentence over all these songs on this album, by the way, started with a sentence. Oh, I'm such a, and I just had this sentence. Oh, I'm such a loser. How'd I ever lose her? And when the, immediately when I said that sentence in the shower, another shower song, I just pictured. It's like I felt like the melody had like been around for I was almost I was Googling it like and like humming it into Siri. I'm like, has this song been written before? Like it just sounds like a familiar uh like a melody that's been around for a hundred years. Like almost uh like ring around the rosy kind of a thing. Has um, that happened yeah, to you? Oh. Have you ever written a whole song and said, Oh shit, I just ripped off a song? Actually, no. But maybe uh um you know there was a no, I've ne that. Well, I don't know why. That knock on wood. That's never happened to me. Right? No, I'm no. I'm just impressed that Siri knows something. I never get a good answer from Siri. <laughs> <laughs> so, so lose her is about heartache. It's about a, a girl. Th 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 this, th and you never reveal the name of the girl. There's speculation about who it is. I know. I think I know who it is. I, I know. Uh, it, it's. I know well, your maybe. old girlfriend. I know her well. I, I knew her as a little kid, and and I, I'm friendly with her family. Yeah. Oh, right. No, 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 not her. No, not her. <laughs> yeah, 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 not her. Um, but um, it's uh, you want these songs to be broad enough where, again, just like how Bruce is able to kind of like capture people with melody. Bruce isn't like so finitely specific about all of like what's going on in his lyrics, even though he is. It's more just about how broad you can make the message so all his fans can be apply their own situation to it like bruce can say one sentence and 400 different thoughts can spawn off so maybe what is the best what is the best bruce springsteen song ever written in your opinion oof wow um uh, probably <sighs> i think i personally think and i'm i'm gonna have everyone's on the edge of their car seat right now I, I still think Jungle Land is one of the most. I, I put it up there with like Bohemian Rhapsody as one of the most impressive piano parts. So this part here. It evokes emotion right away. Oh, it's a. I won't. I can't. I will never sing that song because I just won't ever be able to do it justice. But, but what? A, um, is, you know what? You're right. When you were playing that, I got chills like in three different places. And exactly where you said this is where it slows down. You're right. What is the best Billy Joel song ever written? Um. Well, uh, what is the best Billy Joel song? This is going to live on the internet forever if I give a wrong yeah. answer. It's uh, the right answer. <laughs> I personally think his later work i think the most impressive based off of musicianship maybe not the best one ever but the one he wrote for his daughter mm -hmm, time to close your good night my angel time to close your eyes and 
didn't say these I didn't say these questions for another day. The tension note, another day. I know that you're there and asking me. He does a whole discord. I think maybe or uh, oh, she takes care of herself. I think that's a really powerful message uh, about the power of a of a really strong woman too. And it's really hard to write songs like that and make them sound like uh not reachy and he just does it effortlessly there and from a from a penis point of view elton john's greatest song i thought it from a penis point of view <laughs> okay that's my point of view <laughs> from a i think um I, I, I love the song i mentioned before don't let the sound go down on me right or tiny it's a it's a tie between tiny dancer i think the world's answer is going to be Tiny Dancer. My answer is, uh, cause losing everything is like the sun going down on me. How he ends it too with George Michael. so british and what yeah exactly it's it cinematic hand up like that it's, it's, it's like the end that's of a movie that's why do you why, why do you consider movie. george michael such an influence what is the song that uh that that, that mean, gets you the, uh when he was trying to prove that he wasn't cheesy from after the success of wake me up uh, before you go go kind of reminds me of like how i was trying to escape my cheese from see you again because you had a song in c major which is the cheesiest of all keys wake me up before you go go it's a great song but then he but cheesy on the cheesy but on a, i believe the same album he did self-written and self-produced and wow. on drum machines he didn't have pro tools back then he did that all on the board you had to have it you had to have a deep understanding oh. of how to work an ssl board and he's out busy being an artist and also being a producer he's incredibly he's incredibly influential to me as and well. james taylor you mentioned too is one of your influences what is what yes. is the song that you think is the most brilliant james taylor song controversial but um uh i think on mudslide slim and blue horizon there's a song called long ago and far away long ago when young man sits and plays his waiting game Things are not the same, it seems. Oh my god, I got, I gave myself chills right now. But <laughs> things are not the same, it seems. It's in such tender dreams. And he went to, where do your golden rainbows end? Joni singing in the background. Why is this song so sad? Dreaming the dreams I've dreamed, my friend. Love is just 
just hauntingly beautiful. And I believe he was going through some drug issues at the time, which is probably mirroring that songwriting as well. To be a great artist, you've got to draw. You've got to first learn the greats of your industry, mm -hmm. and then you can write your own songs. That's the key, right? The way you can yeah. kind of pull up these songs. When I say like James Taylor and this and that, that mm -hmm. in other words, you got to have that body of information before you can go do your own thing. Well, from maybe I won't speak for every artist, but for me, that certainly works. And having that Rolodex of things to instantly recall, that's the best thing about having perfect pitches. I can hear a song once and just save it forever in my mind. Are you blown away like I am when you hear stories about Neil Young? He saw the what happened to Kent State in Ohio, four kids dead in Ohio. And he goes into the woods and in 20 minutes walks out with that song, Ohio. You know, four dead in Ohio. Like 20 minutes, oh boom, it's God, there. Oh, I didn't know it's, that. Yeah, oh, he's something. I mean, are you into him? Yeah. The old man, yeah. look at my life. Uh, is that, I always get confused. That's Neil. Harvest, Harvest is the later one. Harvest Moon is the earlier. Is Harvest the that old seven? man, I think. Harvest. Old man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you were. Oh my goodness. How, like how, you, those are, again, those are two chords. Jan, how do you play it? Play it on an actual guitar. I think it's sort of guitar-y. Yeah. Oh, man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you were. He just repeats it. Oh, man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you. Oh, my goodness. I think it'll... somehow just he, he takes you at a completely different place in the chorus and then just brings you back into that that, that, that it was it was a song i wasn't around obviously but i take note of it in the 70s it was just everyone was going through something it was like and everyone used this and so I, na, 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 i see you again it's like this it, it's the chord musical equivalent of putting your fingers on your chin and rubbing it and thinking, where am I going to be in the 80s? That's what I would think that people who wrote in the songs in the 70s would. There's a really fun dynamic when you and Jan are like, kind of like break into a song together. Jan, what about you? You got these strong opinions on, uh, what, what was this go-to song when you were playing guitar? Like what, like if you had to go into a studio and warm up, do you have a warm up song that you do on guitar? I mean, I'm, I'm more of a sound guy. I, I like exploring with different textures of guitar rather than necessarily the repertoire side of things, you know? But, um, what would be my go-to? You can, the thing about Jan is that I'll be looking, especially on this album, I was like, if I'm looking for a Sum 41 guitar tone on fat <laughs> lip, right. he'll literally get the exact same fucking amp and just recreate it on yeah. the spot. Like that's what that, I, that's what I think you're. The great best thing at. is we have phones. We could just pull them up and we could listen to it. And then, and then I'll, I will, I love just being able to kind of sculpt the sound based on what I hear. And I, I'm like, kind of like, I'm a gearhead. Salisbury Hill. Right, and you're right, like, right. oh, well, you just double it four times and then pan, you know, the tracks two and four hard left and right. And then the first two are in the center. And then you put this, this very particular type of course. I don't know anything about that. I just, we have a so little fun work studio. Because if I'm working with Jan, I go, hey, give me a sound like on Salisbury Hill, you know, the opening to the, that opening riff. He can do it. Right, right. 
I wish I could play that on guitar. I mean, I wish I like, could do it now on, on this acoustic. But, but it's, I, I, I'm glad there were a lot of major songs key, like in, in written in major keys in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, obviously. Um, you know, after uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, everything got really. Uh, and like Radiohead, everything got like kind of in a minor tone, and then it became really bubbly in the 2000s. And I think uh, in the 2010s, it got really like druggy and minor again. But now we're in a happy phase again. Like I, do you remember Howard when Cindy Lauper came on your show and like, and this was I think 2008, and sang that we have no past, we won't respect but she didn't like she messed up i don't know if you remember she messed up in the beginning and she sang it like we are no pass it was kind of like a almost like a cop out in a way like because we all know that she can like sing that that really high note but she just at at the very very end and i still get chills when i listen to it she sang we are no pass we won't respect not how i'm doing it but she did it in full voice like It's and it was all just because you provided a really nice, comfortable setting to make her feel more comfortable for her to hit that note at the end. It was all again musical vibe and uh, right. And, well, what a voice on her, right? I mean, incredible. Not voice. on me right now. I'm. It's early. I'm like just waking up, but all through the night incredible. was was 2008 actually, Charlie. All right, let's mm-hmm. talk about lose her. Let's let's yeah. play it. Let's do it. This is the new album and. Uh, yeah. Jan and Charlie, um, this is um, them doing it stripped down. Yeah, and it's about the the, and- it's about the loss of a girl, right? I mean, uh, this yeah. is good. Heartache is good for you, right? It's a good business. Like Taylor Swift, the more she breaks up with people, <laughs> the better for the music, right? Heartache is good for me, and I certainly went through a lot of it um, during the creation of this album. Yeah, huh? That's what the hell I'm happened saying. to you? What, what, what's your status now? You with anybody, or are you uh, flying single? I'm with somebody now, but Look at I've you. learned, I've learned to keep the, the relationship stuff not in the, uh, in the, what? Media. And it, not with I, me. I, you're I, not going to do that. You tell well, me the name immediately. <laughs> Who I, is it? I, I'm sweating. I, um, because <laughs> I've always thought about this one. Like one day I'm going to go on Stern and one day he's just going to like get it out of me. Um, in the beginning well, of my career, I've, I've, yes. Yeah, go ahead. I, I interrupted, but in the beginning no, of your I career. don't have, I don't have anything interesting to say. Go ahead. <laughs> No, no, no. Yes, you do. What is, what happened in the beginning of your career? I was just very vocal and in the scene, I think. And I think a lot of people started to mistake me for being a Pop-Tart and who was just dating all these people. And that's probably, it probably didn't help my case and me wanting people to know that I actually Smart. wrote and produced these records. So I kind of keep it at 30 years old now. I keep it to myself, but... You know, to make music, you have to tell the truth. So hopefully I keep it broad enough where it doesn't, it's not too vindictive of anybody. You know, we all learn from our mistakes, but you want people, I, I certainly want my fans to relate to me and feel like, not only feel like they wrote these songs with me from watching me make them on TikTok, but to, uh, f- really honestly feel like they wrote them with me, like they were there with me in the room. Well, when you talk about romance, you know, what I was thinking was good for you. Uh, you should date Heidi Klum and her daughter. 
they did a lingerie shoot together, and then you could go out with really? both of them. That, that's what I was thinking would be. A, and then when, if you break up with them, it would be a great album. Or you and Jan could date them. Are, are you uh, suggesting I date both of them at the same time? At the same that time. Works. That's right. Charlie, it would work. Believe me, I, I, I know it would. No, but this woman you're with now, you, in other words, you have some, you're in love right now? Are you in love? Yeah. You are? Yeah, def Definitely. Oh, if it's, she breaks it's, it's up a, with it's you, it's gonna be the, it'll be the best album ever if she breaks <laughs> up with you. I don't think she will. You don't? Do you think I, this is it? Yeah. Wow, I wonder who it is. Someone famous or someone not famous? Someone uh, that I grew up with. Oh, this is good. You and Ed Sheeran yeah. doing that shtick. Ed did I, the same I, thing. I now under... I now understand. I, I, I under as as my life gets more turbulent and I travel everywhere. It's really nice to have someone close to you that you've known for a, a very long time. But let me ask you this: Be honest, Charlie. Did this girl when you met this girl? This was what when you were in grade school or a senior in high school or something like that. Someone I've just in New Jersey, small town. Right. Yeah. Did she blow you off when you were not famous? And didn't give you the time of day, and she was your fantasy girl, or was no, she friendly with you when uh, you when times were tough? She's always been very, very nice to me, and oh, uh, smart I would girl. Assume I would assume that you know when times you know inevitably are hard in the future, because you know what is life without uh, valleys and peaks? Uh, she would be there for me as well. Jan, what do you make of this? You're a rock and roll guy. Uh, is Charlie doing the right thing here, dating a regular girl from Jersey? Should he be with someone more prominent, or do you approve of this? <laughs> yes, Jan. What Knowing Charlie, as long as I have, I think he's always wanted to uh, to have something more settled down. Yes. I, so I, think it, I think it's a good thing. What about you, Jan? Who are you spoken for? I'm engaged. I actually got oh. engaged in January. So. A regular Jersey girl or uh, somebody? Uh, <laughs> Pennsylvania, I see. I see. Hey, there's state. a lot of speculation that this regular Jersey girl is Snooky from um, Jersey Shore. <laughs> one of is the it? Jersey Shore <laughs> girls? That's right. One of the Jersey Shore girls. Is it Charlie? Uh, or is is it Jay Wow? Or, uh, <laughs> Damn. Have you met? I forgot. <laughs> Jan, have you met? I assume as close as you are to Charlie since you guys are musically uh, joined. You've met this Wait, one and. You met I have this met her briefly. In fact, she yeah, I have met her briefly. She's she's lovely. She's yeah. it's nice, and, and I actually think that being um, close to someone who you've known will actually um, make the music even better. I used to think I had to be on the run constantly to make dynamic music. It's actually I was I couldn't be more wrong. I actually make the best music. It's it's no shock surprise why I make the best music uh, in front of my mom and in front of uh, uh you know my, my my parents, people that are my close friends. Uh it's just that that comfort you can't really reach anywhere else. I like what you're saying. I mean there is the temptation when you as big as you guys are to go out and really, you know, sow your wild oats, but it could also lead to hurting a lot of people, and yeah. uh, and the greatest love songs are written from great love. So, mm -hmm. the greatest love songs are written from great love, and I'm certainly not in the business of um, hurting people. And uh, I just, honestly, I just, I get so scared of people now. Like I can't really walk anywhere for for whatever reason. Um, and. I think the more that happens, the more I just want to retreat to someone that I've known for a long time. That goes beyond relationships too. People that I've been in business with, I, I I'm not really interested in 
uh, going out uh, like I used to and being crazy. I agree with you. I haven't gone out in two years. I'm sitting in this house. I haven't left. I mean, he can uh, be crazy in the house. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm wild in the house. No, I agree with you. I think being in a loving, committed relationship is fantastic. It really is. Yeah. If I've learned anything, it's that. I mean, hearing uh, so. what you have with with Beth as well, it's very like it's 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 very. I'm I'm inspired by all in Jan getting engaged. I'm uh, and my sister being married now. I'm just I'm inspired by people who are uh, in comfortable loving fun relationships yeah i could see you uh, and Jan how, how exciting is that to hear for your listeners well uh i like <laughs> it I, I need to find out about this woman though i'll, I'll uh, your parents have approved have they seen her, her in action and they say this yeah. is the right one yeah of course yeah yeah Jan's will you be po- charlie will you be <laughs> popping the question does. will you be like Jan and pop the question soon and soon we'll learn that you are engaged if 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 I do, certainly the the media won't know about it, and I'll go out of really? my way to make sure that they don't know about it because it's just I don't know. It comes too oh, much. I mean, uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to keep that secret. But you were saying you're going to pop the question and then keep it secret. It, if there's any way to do that, I'm sure I can. If just like I, I can write a song, I'm sure there's a way to. There's a lot of ways to skin a cat. Maybe I'll be able to be the first person, the first musician to figure that out. I got to tell you something. There's nothing better to me though than taking your woman out to a restaurant or even yeah. walking, you know, uh, into a. Oh concert no, with we'll her. go out places. All right, for sure. okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not I feel gonna like, like hide her, but I feel like she's in hiding. That girl, I feel like she's like hiding in the attic, like a like a like a, you know, like the like the Nazis are coming. And I, I mean, we got to oh, get yeah. her out. And they, you know what I mean? Just Look, the beginning, just the beginning steps of the relationship. I just don't think millions of people need to know about. Well, well, it sounds very mature to me. I'll tell you that. I agree with that. I, I like what you're saying. Sure. Yeah, yeah, you're mature. Uh, loser. This is from the new album, Charlie. This yeah. is a stripped-down version. This is Jan and Charlie putting it together for you right now, live. Yeah. Can I get a little reverb on my voice? Yeah. I'm going to use the piano. Is that Neil Young? Oh, I'm such a loser. How'd I ever lose her? Oh, baby, I must have been out of my mind. Too drunk, so I won't think about us. I don't think about what we could have been. And I stay up like three or four nights, so I won't dream about us. I wake up with no luck. I just can't win. Should have seen it all along. She wasn't one in a million. It hurts whenever someone says her name. We were going off and on. Guess I really played it wrong I should've never let her slip away Oh, I'm such a loser How'd I ever lose her? Oh, baby, I must've been out of my mind I am a loser But I have to lose her I'll never recover
is real Do you think about me still Or am I living for nothing Don't know where it went wrong But I'll just take the hint It's gonna take some adjusting Oh, I'm such a loser How'd I ever lose her? boys beautiful thank you very nice new These album songs called... are hard to sing in early in the morning oh you're doing a beautiful job we jan appreciate the... your efforts and okay. jan with that guitar what is that is that a martin guitar what is that it's a taylor it's a big I jumbo see. 818 taylor what is the it's difference a... i don't oh this is a just a bolder sound than okay. a, maybe a smaller body guitar Oh. Jan gets a very clean sound out of that guitar. You're, you're very, there's no mushiness in your uh, chords. They're very, very sharp. They're, they're, Thank it, you. Do you know what I'm talking about? Not it's too no, sharp. No, no, no. I don't mean sharp that way. I mean they're they're crisp. <laughs> it's like you got a you got a good sound there. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. It's Who's the greatest good. guitar player ever lived, Jan? Oh my goodness. Uh, there's so many. Um, Was it Hendrix? Joe Walsh. How about Joe, Joe Walsh? Walsh. Hey, how about Joe Walsh? I'm glad you mentioned Joe Walsh. And a great songwriter, too. Another one. Another one. Amazing one. I was always kind of... pink sunglasses when I saw him. He came to Berkeley one time, did a little speech, and I was like, <laughs> that was like the first rock star that, other than Bruce, I saw him walk in with like these pink Ray-Bans. They were kind of see-through. They kind of looked like yours, Howard, a little bit, but just like with a pink lens and... I was like, oh, wow. he he was a real character. I mean, he really straightened. I mean, I knew him, you know, years and years ago when, you know, when Joe would be the first to admit that he was on substance and stuff. But I always thought, wouldn't it be great to know the alternate reality if Joe never joined the Eagles and kept doing his solo music and James Gang music? Because yeah. in some way that, you know, I wonder what else he had in him. I think in some ways the Eagles could have even held him back. Anybody agree with this theory? I don't know much <laughs> about, I, I don't know, I'll say, I won't know, en I, I don't know enough about Joe to do my usual. Well, I, th I think the attitude that Joe had, it, it added something to the Eagles, I would argue, as well. Oh, absolutely. They, I think the Eagles got a great deal when they got Joe Walsh. They suddenly absolutely. had a personality. Absolutely. And Hotel California, that some of the best songs are Joe Walsh. I didn't know he wrote that. Oh, I think Glenn Fry wrote Hotel California. Yes. Yeah. But Joe wrote, um, what did he oh, write? Oh, the solo on? at the end of it. It's, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Him, him and, uh, and, uh. I love the pop approach of the Eagles. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Like, even Don's, uh, solo stuff, like Harder Than Like, it's almost like if you took them away, they almost go too pop. And when they were together, it was like, perfectly balanced out maybe that had something to do with joe or something all five of them they definitely balance each other out yeah. wasn't the solo don felder on uh yes Hotel don Cal felder yeah. and joe walsh i think was it the, the two of them together, yeah 
Yeah. Can Thank you God play that? Because I didn't know that. <laughs> Can I yeah. play it? Yeah, let me hear you play. Play something. Oh, Just play anything. Play it on the acoustic shit. guitar. Come on. <laughs> Try. Play a, a, play a, a lead. Uh, I'll back you up. Yeah, you can play the yeah, asshole, of course. As I go, well, I mean, that's some. Look at the language you guys speak together. You make beautiful music together. Well, we you're really great. You're really. Song. Well, I said this to Paul McCartney once about John, and I go, Paul, you were in love with John. The two, even you two guys. There's a there's a romance between the two of you. I don't mean a physical romance, but I'm talking. Ooh. There's a love there. The two of there you is. vibe so beautifully. Look how quickly you break into song. Thank you. I think you. I think. I think you get that after. I mean, I've been with you to New Zealand, Malaysia. Oh yeah, everywhere. London, of course. As it, you spend enough time with somebody, you start to pick up on their uh, kind of mannerisms and alongside the musical stuff. I mean, I feel like I. I feel like I've known you for like twenty years, even though it's only been six. I feel bad for yelling at you so much, and uh, well, and making. <laughs> He's exaggerating. Up. He doesn't yell at me that much. <laughs> I just know what I want. Uh, is that, Charlie, you're being truthful? Like, in other words, when you were making the album, Charlie, you were like a little too forceful with Jan? Like, a little too, like, come I just, on, man. I, I, just, I, I, I just get, like, I, I, when I make a song, it's all about taking what's in my head, extracting what's in my head, and then putting it into Pro Tools, and you always run the risk of it not sounding the way that you had imagined it um, to sound like and you all you also run the risk of forgetting it and i'm like i can't forget this like we need to get like stop playing it that way just just do the notes separately we'll get it right. sounding robotic and then we'll play on top of the robotic take and make it sound natural just we got to get the idea printed we call it printing like, um, the thing is i i appreciate charlie's perfectionism because i'm kind of a perfectionist myself i don't i don't think everyone would enjoy the process necessarily as much but I, I really relate to the way Charlie produces. I think that's important. Much my point. You guys are lovers, in a sense. You are in love with yes. one another. Is that fair to Absolutely. say? Yeah. Yeah. Musical yes. lovers. Musically. What is it about this uh, Bonnie Raitt song? You're going to do a cover for us. We'll, 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 I'll let you guys out of here. You probably have to pish. But... Uh, <laughs> I'm saying, um, what so Bonnie Ray to me, here's another one. This is so much fun. I could, I, I love hearing you guys just talk about music and other musicians, yeah. but what is it about Bonnie Ray? Because I have loved her since I was a college student. My roommate would play Bonnie Ray. And mm -hmm. I mean, what a, you, she, again, like Brandy Carlisle, like, th th mm -hmm. like these are women that can sing their ass off and they can write. But this, why are you doing this cover out of all the covers you guys could possibly do? I I I, th I thought it'd be appropriate playing a hauntingly beautiful um, song because I knew that I was going to uh, reference a lot of other music that um, fell under that same category, and I think this is the the granddaddy of them all. Oh, there you are. Oh, oh it did. No, you're back. You're I back. I'm back. I was saying that I think um, 
I, I just wanted to play the granddaddy song of them all, like the most beautiful, tormented, uh, but still like you don't know what you want your heart to feel when you hear this because it's so beautiful musically, but it's such a painful message to hear that um, you can't make somebody love you. And I just don't know if there will ever be a song that's written like this. I think this song took the slot and um, it's, it's just one, it's just a song that I wish that I wrote quite honestly. And with Bonnie Raitt going to, uh, to her voice, there was always an undertone of R and B, especially in like the nick of time. And then like she go into the verse. There was just always that, that warmth that you get from a, like a, a almost like a Luther Vandross record or a Nita Baker record you get with Bonnie Raitt's, uh, um, uh, vocal as well and you hear that um especially on this one and finally the reason why i'm singing this song is uh i i i think just like uh talking about um how some of billy's best music was uh made about made on river of dreams which is by note like a modern album i i, I think that uh, I think that I'll make my best music at 60 years old and at the maybe quote unquote end of my career, Elton John is having a huge smash right now, uh, like a hit song. And it's, you know, not the beginning of his career either. And I think you become well seasoned and uh, perform the best uh, at, towards the end of your career. And this song came out in the nineties when she wasn't a brand new artist. Um, right. And it was a massive, 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 massive song. This song was such a huge hit. I can't make you love me. And you're right. Now you got me thinking. Is there anything more frustrating in the human condition that when you're in love with someone and you want them so badly to love you and you cannot get them to love you? It's just you can't uh -huh. force love. You can't make them love you. But what and kills me about this song is that that person, she's singing it from the perspective of being literally i get chills from it just saying out loud literally in front of the person like she's speaking to the person i can't make you love me it it's different if it's a phone call it's really different if they're lying in the same bed as you and that's that's it's torment reminds me of uh, bachelor in paradise um um uh, a lace could not get uh rodney to fall in love with her as much as she tried, she had false eyelashes on everything, and she just, she, she, I mean, it's unbelievable. Do you know that Bonnie Raitt recorded the vocals in one take when she recorded this song? And I didn't know and that. It, and the other thing I read about it, not to sound like Casey Kasem, but it took a full minute to recover from the sadness of it, that she literally had to stop everything because she was so sad after she sang that one take that she couldn't get her shit together. I mean, damn, man, I'm not, I'm getting emotional now thinking about it. I, I wish people could see my eyes. I don't, I don't even know what my heart is referencing right now. I don't know what uh, it's casting a picture of, but it's just, it is really just a terrible thing when you go to the, your wits end to do everything for somebody and they just happen to be seeing somebody else. And it's yeah. just, there's no worse feeling, but I think the thing that is healing about that is putting melody to it and that's why i encourage kids i know i'm goofy on the internet and you know i can tell you the note of a burp or robin's voice or something like that but it's really all about telling these kids that you can live your life and go through life experiences but interweave it with art make a painting about it make a song about it that's how i made this entire album 
Yeah, I, I saw how emotional you were when you wrote That's Hilarious. Um, yeah, I was, yeah. I, I was also just spent from a day of promo, and I was living in a hotel, and no sense of home, just traveling, and I just... That that is, by the way, the song that who's written about that person you were referencing uh, before. Um, just oh, you but, wrote but, that but, about but, her. That's hilarious. Yeah. So she broke yes. up with you. Uh, y- yes, but and I don't even know. It was kind of like a it, it was like a mutual um, understanding. But um, n- knowing that like I wasn't the only person on her mind was a. Uh, that that was like a, a prolonged torment, as I call it. But y- yeah, there's really no other way to put that. Yeah, let me play a little of that. This is uh, Charlie from uh, his new album. And this is called That's Hilarious. This is a song he's talking about. He wrote about, I know exactly. the girl. Uh, yeah, and uh, I didn't realize, man, it really wrecked you, that relationship. Jesus. I mean, and I know that feeling. Believe me, I've seen, I've had that happen to me a hundred times, <laughs> you know. Yeah, of, of course. Dead. It's really yeah. rough. Look. Yeah, look at me. You didn't love when you had me, but now you need me so badly. You can't be serious. That's hilarious. Thinking I would still want you after the things you put me through. Yeah, you're delirious. That's hilarious. But it's like now funny. It's funny yeah. sound. Yeah. Uh, what, what, hearing it back? But it's coming no, from it's, an emotional it, place. No, it's kind of like a... It's like a like a uppity key, and I'm going like ha ha ha. I, I guess it's kind of listening back to it because I don't listen to it every day. I guess it's kind of indicative of my personality to not take myself so seriously. Like, of course, I'm crying when I'm writing it and just going through the worst time ever. But I'm just you know making it funny. Ha ha ha. <laughs> it's goofy <laughs> melody, and I, I hey, it works. Know. It's a good song. It um, so getting back to Bonnie Raitt, we'll close the yeah. show with a little bit of uh, Bonnie Raitt. You're, you're going to do a song of hers. Uh, yeah. And as you say, it is the most frustrating experience. I can't make you love me. And the idea of her standing before a guy saying it mm-hmm. is pretty powerful stuff. And yes, and I hope I can do it. I won't do it as well as her, but I'll, I'll sure try as hell. Okay. My hardest. Yeah, load me up on that reverb. Something it won't 
Songs. I love watching you play the piano like that. Oh man, Thank is you. it is it true? Piano is a, per- a percussion instrument. I don't remember. I don't understand that. What does that mean? It very. I certainly use it as that. Um, probably because I can't play drums, but I, I think it's going back to what we started the interview with. Uh, I I think it's the uh, the the instrument with no limitations. I have every note. Um, an infinite amount of songs to write. It can be percussive. It could be, you could pluck the strings and make different sounds of it. You can tune it down. It's. Do you own a piano? I own 30 pianos, 30 synthesizers and a Steinway D that Elton signed for me, um, Hmm. which is a concert grand. Is Elton lying to me when he says he does, because you've been in his house. He says he does not have a piano in his house. No, he doesn't have a piano in this house. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> that is insane. Is that not insane? It's it's insane that I have a piano in my house and Elton John doesn't actually <laughs> has two houses and doesn't have a piano in either. <laughs> I couldn't. When he told me, I was like, well, well why is that? He goes, ah, you know, I don't want to play the piano in my house. That's work or, or whatever the hell he was saying. I don't, I don't even remember what he said to me, but. It's crazy. Oh, I was just like, I need a it. piano everywhere. I need a piano to get uh, words out correctly. I wouldn't be able to do this interview without a piano in front of me. I'd just trip over and stumble over my words. By the way, thank you for that. I love this interview because you sat there and explained things to me while playing them. And uh, you and Jan, uh, that, that was fantastic. You, you, yeah. you guys are great. Uh, to give me uh, two hours of your time, thank you for that. This was a. You have no idea how long I've been. My mom and I have been listening to all of you for 
for forever. And I know that everyone comes on here and, and says that, but your presence in media has meant a lot to me and everyone, millions of people for a Thanks, very, Charlie. very long time. Well, congratulations. Uh, Charlie Puth's new album, Charlie, is available wherever music is sold. You can hear Charlie's music on Sirius XM Hits 1, of course, and everywhere else in the world. And uh, congratulations on your career. And geez, the way you play that piano... And the lyrics too, you pull up to every song. I mean, are you are you just a quick study with everything with music like lyrics too? You've got a million of them in your head. I actually haven't read music in probably ten years. I don't think I'm particularly very good at it, but um, I stump. I, I know I, I won't get a hundred percent of the lyrics, but I will get a hundred percent of the melody. Wow. Um, I'll, I'll I'll always get that. It's I, again, I can. One of the great things about having absolute pitch is that I can hear a song and just remember it forever. Jeez, like if I go like a court of the Crim Crimson King by King Crimson, or suddenly you break into it. It's crazy. <laughs> sure. I I don't uh, know it because I haven't heard it. I, I'm uh, not going to admit. Maybe he doesn't I, 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 hear that one. <laughs> are you crazy? No. Lord of the Crimson I, I, King. <laughs> Come on. I don't know everything. Uh, well, the, the, you got to hear it because it's it goes. You don't know Court of the Crimson King, Jan? Come on. Of course you do. Don't. So, so you don't. You I know were, the album you, Red, but I don't know that one. <laughs> I have you're a, hinting at E major. Out of everything. Yeah. <laughs> I was you trying to it. make you sound good, but I, you, you can't do it. It's impossible. People have tried for ages to try to make you sound good. It doesn't it? Um, it's unbelievable. But uh, listen, boys, what a fabulous appearance and great to uh, Charlie meet you and Jan meet you. And uh, Very nice you guys are the real deal. You know, I hear a lot of people criticize music today and they say there's no real musicians anymore. Everything is just bullshit and it's pre-recorded and blah, 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 blah. And it's all I know who computers. Who? Howard. <laughs> oh, that's right. But you boys prove that uh, there is real musicianship out there and guys who know how to play and know how to sing and perform. And, uh, yeah, man, that's oh, man. wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Come, come see it live. If, you, if you're around and uh, we're doing a small show, a couple of small shows where we're doing a show at the, the Beacon, Beacon Theater, right? Oh, we're that's a good, the, that's a great you, place to see you. You and Beth want to pop in with the cast or something like that. Oh, I'll bring the cats. It'll lives. be great. We'll bring our rabbits. I'll forget about it. Bring We're going to have rabbit. so much fun. And I'll meet your new girl and I'll see yeah. what's doing yeah. there. 